Hey guys, it's Sal, host of WrestleMania Salvation. We got a big episode for you tonight, but before we get into tonight's episode, I would just like to say that this episode has been dedicated to a longtime friend of mine. His name was Adam Bellier, and Adam Bellier unfortunately passed away on August 11th of 2018 at the age of 34. Um, he was a huge wrestling fan, as long as I ever knew him, and, um, this one's few, buddy. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to WrestleMania Salvation. I am your host. My name is Sal. And on this episode, we discuss what many consider to be one of the greatest WrestleManias of all time. It's WrestleMania X7. Now, for this epic WrestleMania, I decided I did not want to talk about it alone. So I brought along a co-host. He is the host of the Nitromania podcast and the founder of the Rundown Wrestling Incorporated Company. <laughs> Joining me once again, it's Adam Salzer, ladies and gentlemen. Am I supposed to be making an income off of this? I didn't realize I had incorporated at any point. Nonprofit organization. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's a 501c3. Uh no, thank you for uh, volunteering me to to cover this WrestleMania. I I was misremembering which WrestleMania this was when you told me. I was thinking it was X8, which is not considered one of the best WrestleManias of all time. <laughs> and I was like, oh, See, it's, fuck. It's but no. funny you say that because X7. there are people in our in our host thread that absolutely love WrestleMania X8 and mm. then put it over as one of the best of all time. So oh, no, This is WrestleMania X versus 7. <laughs> one of the 
And it was. It was a great show. Did you did you look up Cage Match? Did you look up the Cage Match on this? I did, did you not. Catch, did you catch the, the rating on Cage Match now? I could, would assume, if I had to guess. To take a guess. 7.5. It is at like a 9.18. Damn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they don't they don't hide the fact when they're marks, do they? <laughs> it's fan voting, man. It's fan fucking voting. All right, we'll get to that and much, much more. But first, let's go to the WrestleMania Rundown. Please don't play Limp Biscuit here. Please don't play Limp Biscuit here. I was. Oh, I had more than enough Limp Biscuit watching this <laughs> fucking show. This is why you should have had Kogos Sean on this fucking show. No, no, no. Kogos. Well, I can't get Kogos Sean because he's dead. But Henry has agreed to co-host uh, WrestleMania 19 when Limp Biscuit actually performs. <laughs> it's my way. It's my way. He will sing now, every one of those songs. Anyway, I'm sorry. Let me get to the WrestleMania rundown. I'm ruining yes. things already. The 17th WrestleMania was marked and named WrestleMania X7 and took place on April 1st, 2001 from the Reliant Astrodome in Houston, Texas. This marked the first time WrestleMania had taken place inside a dome since 1992 when WrestleMania 8 was held at the Hoosier Dome in Indianapolis, Indiana. On this night, WrestleMania X7 set an indoor attendance record for the Astrodome with a crowd of 67,000. 925 fans. This WrestleMania is also regarded by many as a celebration to the end of the Monday Night Wars, as the WWF had purchased their longtime competition known as WCW just six days prior on March 26, 2001. Totally did not realize, did not remember that this was literally six days after that episode of Raw. Yes, I, I was going to say to you, I hate to spoil the ending of your podcast. <laughs> But WCW lost. They went out of business. No more WCW. However, what? You, you can watch all of the WCW episodes of Nitro on the WWE Network for only the low, low price of $9.99. Speaking of WCW, tonight we get the 1991 WCW commentary team of Jim Ross and Paul Heyman. <laughs> Now, Adam, do you know why Paul Heyman is commentating at WrestleMania? I actually had to explain this to my wife because while I was watching WrestleMania, she came in and was like, is that Paul Heyman? I was like, yeah, Jerry Lawler threw a shit fit and left because his, his girlfriend got fired. Jerry Lawler quit on February 27th, 2001, <laughs> literally about five weeks before Vince was about to put on his biggest show to date. Uh, so to say they were scrambling is an understatement. Um, and yes, you're correct. Jerry Lawler quit because they fired his real-life girlfriend, Stacey Carter, otherwise known as the cat. Um, some people say they fired her because they, they had nothing for her, where others say she was fired because she had an attitude problem backstage. I, I don't know. I refuse to believe that. <laughs> I'm, I don't know which it is, but I do know I wish Jerry Lawler done stayed quit. Instead, he came back. He came back way too soon. Mm, I'm not going to go that far because I do remember uh, really enjoying when Lawler came back. He he certainly shouldn't have stayed as long as he did once he came back. But I I didn't mind him coming back when that happened. I was going to say he's still there. He's technically still there. (laughs) Oh, I apologize. I was incorrect. Remember how I said it was a nine point one eight? It's a nine point seven three. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Now. 
Adam, we begin this night with a with a nice little video package welcoming welcoming us to the show. Yeah. And uh, if anybody in the history of ever was watching WrestleMania one on a rabbit ears TV <laughs> from their barn, please. They were magic. Email the show, right? You know, call the show. Let me know that because that's not a thing. Yeah. That you, there's nobody who was watching WrestleMania one on the in their barn on a rabbit ears TV. Not at all. That, is 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 it racist? I mean, you know, my favorite game. Is it racist that the only Asian person we see during this montage of average working class Joes watching WrestleMania, the only Asian guy is we see is distracted from his work because Yokozuna is winning the title at WrestleMania Nine. Oh, it, not only was it racist, it was intentionally racist, <laughs> and it was like. I, I think Freddie Blassie at that point says something like bringing fans together from around the world. And I'm like, oh, that's really? So the Japanese guy has to stop working to watch Yokozuna win the title. Got it. Even though Yokozuna is not Japanese. <laughs> um, speaking of Freddie Blassie, yes. we get a fucking plethora of WrestleMania catchphrases in this video. Yeah. I, I do. I do miss Freddie Blassie narrating the openings of pay-per-views. <laughs> I'm mean, not kidding. I fucking love that. I, I enjoyed it, but, but but he goes on to say, the showcase of the mor the immortals, <laughs> and then the voiceover says the granddaddy of them all. But at the end of the video, Res Blassie says, WrestleMania, the celebration of life. Pretty sure that's not a, a catchphrase. Hmm. Or tagline. Uh, and not a thing either. I don't think anybody's, uh, you know, associating the celebration of life with WrestleMania. And you know, and you know that Vince didn't write that promo, that that script for that vignette by himself, because at the end it would have been WrestleMania. Fuck you, bitches. We won. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say maybe it's WrestleMania, the celebration of my life, me being Vince. WrestleMania. The celebration of the death of WCW. Yeah, not kidding. Um, and speaking of uh, Limp Biscuit, <laughs> as we did earlier, Do we have to. Their song "My Way" begins oh. the show and blasts throughout the arena speakers as Pyro. Yes, kids, remember when that was a thing? Mm. Pyro explodes on the WrestleMania entrance stage. And speaking of the stage, it feels good, man. That. I've, as long as I've been doing this show, this stage feels like a WrestleMania stage. They got the big, giant Tron with with the two, um, you know, pillars next to it with the X7 yeah. going down. Yeah. This is the first time they really like went all out and yeah. actually put money into the stage. Yeah, you talked about it with Henry on the uh, on the uh, uh, the last episode of of uh, the Raw Attitude podcast, where you covered the Royal Rumble. I completely agree with both of you guys. I sincerely miss the days when the pay-per-views had their own sets and were mm -hmm. visually interesting to look at. Like fucking Backlash back in the day where it would have the big hooks that hang down and would swing back and forth. And yep. fucking, Royal, yep. fucking Royal Rumble 03 that we went to at the Garden, Henry and I, had the fucking waterfall that they were projecting video on. Like, I, I fucking miss pay-per-view sets. I hate. See, I, I forgot about I, Rumble. I love 03. the HD era, and I love how beautiful everything is. I, I've now that I've seen that set in person when I went to Clash of uh, sorry Clash of Champions 
uh, last December. It is a beautiful set, and everything looks fantastic, but everything looks the same. And it's it just it just takes it takes something out of it for me. Not only does everything look the same, I'm still not over the fact that they stopped making entrance videos. Now instead of getting a highlight package of somebody, you just get their name. Yeah, when they yeah, when they did when they did away with the Titantron at the when they switched to this new set at the when they started the, the new bland the bland the bland split. <laughs> You're not kidding. It's a, it's a Freudian slip because it's true. Um, yeah, that's yeah, that's the worst part about you know that it's raw because the screen goes this way, but if it's SmackDown, the screen goes that way. Ugh. So dumb. Uh, it's yeah. Now this was interesting too because when we see Jim Ross and Paul Heyman come on our our you know on camera, mm-hmm. they don't seem to be dressed for WrestleMania. <laughs> like I get it, Heyman's wearing a T-shirt with a sports coat, and I don't expect much else. But even Jim Ross is no no tie, just like a you know some brown sports jacket with like a black polo under them. What the fuck? We're in Houston, brother. Yeah, uh, well, that's a good point. <laughs> um. I'm assuming that the reason they got away with this is because Vince was too ready, too busy getting ready for his match. <laughs> I'm not... a genetic jack here. Oh, grapefruits. Are we not doing the obligatory scanning of the crowd because I have some notes? Uh, I or did is not. That, but is that you... just a Henry thing? Okay. No, no. I, I did not this particular WrestleMania because I didn't want to bite his gimmick three WrestleManias in a row. But, <laughs> but please. To. By all means, tell me if you saw anything this is interesting. Prime, this is the end of the Attitude Era. This is the prime obligatory scanning of the crowd. I have four that I noticed during the opening. Uh, one said, I've been drinking since 316. Classic. <laughs> uh, there was a there was a three-sign set. Uh, the first one just said, test. The second one had an equal sign and the word piss. And the third one said, break. Test <laughs> equals piss break. Uh, of course, the classic Trish 469. And one person had a sign that said car, C-A-R-R. I assume that was car. And the person next to them had a sign that said is gay. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> um, what, do you that, know car? Uh, well, so oh. David Carr was drafted by the Houston Texans. I believe that year or the year before, he was the first quarterback for the Houston Texans franchise. What is that, rugby? Uh, That would be football, American NFL football. Mm -hmm. And they were in Houston, so yeah, I have a feeling they were talking about their quarterback. (laughs) He wasn't very good anyway, so he deserved that kind of disrespect. (laughs) But we begin the night with the countdown clock. Yes. And the entrance... Of Chris Jericho. Yes. Disco ball shirt and all. This is my favorite Jericho outfit. The shiny silver shirt. I fucking love the sign the shiny silver shirt. See, I, I've become more um I, I, I've become more of a fan of the scarf around the neck with the list in the other hand. <laughs> but shiny you, Jericho is always is always good. You talking shit about the top ponytail? <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, the beard, the beard unfortunately, they caught the uh, they caught the the fans uh, with the Y two J signs by surprise during the during the obligatory scanning of the crowd. They were all holding up their Y two J signs, but when they went back, only the two and the J were there. I noticed that. <laughs> I was like, "What happened to the Y? Why?" <laughs> 
Um, so not only then, not only do we get my favorite, and I apologize if I'm jumping a little a little ahead on you here. Not only do we get my favorite Jericho outfit, we also get my favorite William Regal theme song. Oh, you were a fan of this particular I theme song. Loved this song. I would have thought you would have went with the uh, "He's a Man." That's it. That's Stephen <laughs> Regal. Oh, that's a good point. Mm. He was back to being William Regal. Um, I, oh God, I'm such a fucking fan of Regal. Like his his acting even when he's walking down the ramp he just has this look of like disdain on his face <laughs> like Ugh, texans <laughs> uh and i wasn't you know i didn't really recall why these two were fighting until they showed me the video package it's as you play in your tea <laughs> yeah i was gonna say as you play that music jericho is pissing in your teapot <laughs> Which did you see Regal's face when he took a sip I of the PT? Say, I will never forget that face. I will never forget that face as long as I live. It is one of my favorite moments ever, just because he because he he makes that sourpuss, and then there's just the most brilliant thing, just that slight little shudder. Just yes, yes, <laughs> out of the corner of his mouth. It was like a Simpsons episode. It really Gorgeous. was. I fucking love William Regal so much. Uh, also in the highlight package, uh, Jericho apparently dressed up like Doink. Yes, and, and jumped Regal. Completely now, forgot that happened. Now that's interesting because fast forward to present day, and Jericho dressed up like Pentagon Junior <laughs> on All In and jumped Kenny Omega. Look, so, look, we Jericho has a long history of putting other people's masks and face paint on. That's a good point. That is a very valid point. Um, and I like it. I like when he does it because I think it's hilarious. See you on the cruise. <laughs> Because that's why we're here. We're going <laughs> to shill the fucking careers. But, you know, he's trying to sell out. So, yeah, I think <laughs> this is this is one of the best feuds ever. Regal versus what? Jericho. Regal versus Jericho. Absolutely. So so you, got, you, you got snarky baby face Jericho against, you know, the commissioner, not yes. the general manager. He would become that later on, about eight years. The commissioner of the WWF. Mm -hmm. Um, back which when, is interesting. Back when commissioner own... meant general manager, but it was commissioner. And now, it comm now commissioner means something completely different because Vince decided to go. Uh, no, that's not what commissioner means anymore. Yeah, now commissioner is the boss of the general manager. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, but also just blood relation. Anybody who's blood related to Vince, I'm assuming, yeah. is a commissioner. When's the last time we we saw Shane on SmackDown? <laughs> Uh, it's, the, been long, it's been a long time. The night after Wrestle, oh, the SmackDown after WrestleMania. Yeah, it's been a while. Actually, did he even show up that night? I probably didn't. Um, oh no, he did. He announced uh, Paige as the new GM. Paige here. <laughs> now I don't know why Jericho chose chose Doink when the clear and most obvious choice would have been Abe Knuckleball Schwartz. <laughs> I mean, way to drop the ball, Jericho. Way to drop the ball. Uh, now, this was a decent match for what it was. Uh, Regal's obviously a very technically sound wrestler. Um, at one point, I don't know if you noticed this, Jericho almost killed himself with a high <laughs> cross body over the top rope to the outside and completely missed Regal and jumped over him. Yeah, I, I actually have Should, should JR have called out Jer that Jericho almost completely whiffed the dive? Should JR have mentioned that? Because I'm not sure JR should have mentioned that. I was going to say, JR was, uh, you know, this was back in 2001 where they tried to still keep kayfabe alive. And, oh, you know, uh, they really fucked up there. 
Yeah, pretty much. That's, that's pretty, I expect that from Paul Heyman. Jesus Christ, Jer- uh, yeah. <laughs> um, But that's okay, because at least the barricade was there to break his fall. <laughs> and his neck. Yeah. Uh, Regal, an absolute genius in that ring. Like that, that British style that we weren't even used to back then. Um, I love the fact that he's working on the shoulder the whole match uh, and setting him up for the Regal stretch. I've said uh, however, I, I have said it on Nitromania. I will continue to say it. William Regal is a wrestling fucking genius. Yes. However, it's all in vain because Jericho finishes him off with a lion song. Yeah. Your if, winner, Chris Jericho. The finish was so sudden that I missed it the first time and had to go back. Yeah. Uh, but a great match, obviously. Great choice to open, I think. And really the only logical conclusion, since you can't have the commissioner be the Intercontinental Champion, because that's just going to cause problems. You say that, but when he when he was the general manager in 2008, he beat Punk for the Intercontinental Championship. William Regal can do whatever the fuck he wants. <laughs> I was going to say he lost it to Punk back. He lost <laughs> back to Punk a couple weeks later, but for a while he was both Raw general manager and Intercontinental Champion. Mm-hmm. Let's go to the parking lot. Let's go to the parking lot. Backstage, a black limo pulls up, which obviously signifies the arrival of the NWO. (laughs) Or am I on the wrong show? Maybe I'm on the wrong show. But instead, we see the new, quote-unquote, owner of WCW, Shane McMahon. I got to tell you, Shane's obviously got a lot of pull at the DMV to get a customized plate made in six days. (laughs) No, it's one of those ones you just get at the county fair. (laughs) Shane will be in action later on tonight, but first we go to a different backstage area because back then they had more than one backstage area, unlike today. Things weren't visually bland. Uh, And we see Jackie and the APA playing cards and drinking beers. Oh, the APA. Now, good job getting ready for their match (laughs) as they're just sitting around drinking and playing cards. That's what and they then, always did, though. And then Bradshaw goes off and gets all, like, Texas. <laughs> like, it goes on about some horseshit about the history of the Astrodome and all the famous... I really stopped paying attention after, yeah. like, two words. Bradshaw, Bradshaw really pouring his heart out here in his home state of Texas. But I don't think the crowd can actually hear him because <laughs> they are not responding to any of his cheap pops. Nothing. Literally nothing. And, and it was probably because they were like, what is he saying? Shouldn't he just be drinking? Why is he talking? <laughs> um, all four of them are so motivated by Bradshaw's. I'm sorry, all four of them. All four of them, yeah. Well, because they were talking about Taz, but then oh, Taz is off doing his thug thing. I thought you might work. have been talking about Jacqueline's tits, but... <laughs> but uh, Farouk, Jack, Farouk Jack, Bradshaw, and Jackie's tits. All four of them. Jacqueline Farouk are so motivated by... by uh, Bradshaw's speech that they jump up from the table and head to the ring. My, my favorite part about the APA, my favorite part about the APA little promos and shit that they did back in the back was that it was just a door on a stand, but they always fucking used it. They, they always like, fucking used that door. Lock the door. <laughs> they can't see us in here. Um... <laughs> Our next match is Bradshaw, Farouk, and Taz. I didn't know you were at WrestleMania X7. Shut up. With Jackie against the right to censor. Yeah. Another another thing I had to explain to my wife. 
Oh, I feel bad that you had to explain that. Now, I'm interested to hear how you explained it, though, because did you go into the real-life aspect of it? Yeah, vaguely. Okay. So for those who aren't aware, the WWF was Vin- actually... It, it basically boils down to Vince is a vindictive prick, but we knew that yes. already. Uh, but for anybody who's not aware or who's not watching wrestling because they were like three years old at this point in 2001, um, the WWF was... No, I wouldn't say being sued, but they were definitely being uh, verbally Pressure. attacked. Pressured. Pressured by some fucking right-wing group that was like... Brent Bozell, I believe, was the douchebag's name, and the Parents Television Council. The PTC. That, that's what it was. The Parents Television Council. I yeah. thought it was the Parents Against Television, but no. no it, was the... it was the Parents tele- It was the PTC. That's why they were the RTC, the right to censor. A... A right-wing kind of Christian-y group of fucking douchebags who want to tell you what to watch on TV. Yeah, who opposed the vulgarity and violence of the World Wrestling Federation. Well, uh, be, it's the end of the Attitude Era. They'll be fine. I was going to say, apparently they got their way and they won because look what we have now. <laughs> um, now, right to censor in their awesomely annoying music make their way to the ring first. <laughs> Henry can tell you back in the day... Of uh, us playing WWF No Mercy on the N64, where you could, uh, much like WrestleMania 2000, where you could change the wrestlers' outfits and their entrances and whatnot, the actual wrestlers in the games, and us giving uh, every single person in the game a right to censor outfit and a right right to censor gimmick name with that music and that video, including the single-named superstars like Mr. Kane, Mr. (laughs) Edge, and Mr. Christian. See, that was way more creative. I thought you were going to say that uh, you always used to go against those guys to to practice your specials on them. <laughs> ask uh, at, Next time you see Henry, ask him about Steve the Black Man. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that could go a whole – that could take that conversation a whole different bunch of different directions. Um, no, I love that game, No Mercy. That was Absolutely. one of my – that was my favorite wrestling game Absolutely. by far. So Stephen Richards, Stephen Richards, yes. with his little short haircut, uh, tries to cut a promo, but is interrupted by Taz's music. Uh, now Taz cuts, comes out to a pretty good pop, but his music is soon cut off by the APA's music. Both get a decent reaction, but what I thought was interesting is that Jr. mentioned that Taz is the color commentator over on SmackDown. I didn't realize he was already doing that at this right, point. Right, right. I, uh, I don't. I don't remember him doing both. I don't remember him wrestling and commentating. Now, there's really. I, I, it makes sense because his forte into commentating was because he was fighting with Lawler. I don't think that word means what you think it means. Okay, fine. Um, <laughs> but that's not how he started. Nothing. Not for nothing. But I don't think that's the word you're looking for. Oh, here we go with the not for nothing. <laughs> but um. That's how he sta- he started because he was in a feud with Lawler and he was a heel and he that. would attack Lawler behind the commentators table. But thank uh, so this thank, match, thank you for that, by the way. Yeah, you're welcome. This this match was there's not much to say here. Look, mm, I don't know if not. you're aware, but but Taz was concussed pretty early in this match. I was not aware of that. Uh, uh, he's talked about it on his his daily show before. Um, apparently, he caught a stiff one and from. I should rephrase that. Uh, He caught a stiff back elbow from the Godfather or the Goodfather, as it would be. Uh, 
completely rang his bell. Yeah. And that's why he wasn't really on the apron for the rest of the match after he tagged out. And then I guess he said it was the worst concussion he's ever had in his career. Cause he, he damn. went backstage and spent the rest of the night like throwing up. <laughs> well, damn now. So I don't know if that means this match was supposed to go longer because they mm-hmm. seem to be cut pretty short. After I gonna, yeah. I had that in my notes. Another sudden victory here. Um, but speaking of the good father, did, did they not rename uh, the Ho train when he became the good father or did Jr. just forget what they had renamed it to? If I was gonna say if they did rename it, they didn't mention the new name. Yeah, Jr. Jr. stumbles over and says, "Well, that that that, uh, he, that move used to have a name." <laughs> but yeah, another sudden victory with the clothesline from hell by uh, by JBL here. Um, again, was that the style in two thousand one? And we're just so it's just changed now, and we're so used to the false finishes and whatnot now that, that these sudden finishes are throwing me off from fucking seventeen years ago. But, or, uh, or... See, you know what? I was thinking that, but think about the way this card went. Think about how they were still on, you know, live pay per view. I, I think when matches are cut for time, it's it's not out of the ordinary hmm. that we just see like a quick uh, finish. Yeah, or well, I mean, the, the first the first match, you wouldn't cut the first match for time. No, no, but no. That, but that, well, that, well that obviously, like I said, if Taz was hurt and they had to they had to go right. home quick, that kind of made more sense. Right. But um. I don't know. I mean, it's, hey, he hit his finish. I mean, it's a six man. What else are you gonna do? Right. <laughs> I, 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 re- I think I'm just so used to these days where everything's a falsy until it's not. Yeah. Well, I was and... gonna say you get about sixteen finishes exactly, now before, exactly. before you actually get the finish. Exactly. Uh, time now my, we t- time for my favorite character of all time. <laughs> well, we go backstage and Trish is pushing Linda Bot around on a wheelchair. Vegetable Linda. <laughs> While Stephanie is trying to give Trish orders. Now, everyone thinks Linda is acting sedated, but let's be honest. That's they, just how she was. They just didn't turn her on. <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. Don't be gross. <laughs> I didn't take it like she that. She has a switch on her back. <laughs> she is no, a robot. Look, she is a robot. She's Linda Bot. She's Linda Bot 2001. Um, Stephanie, by the way, with it works the... so perfectly with what happens later. Anyway, anyway, we'll get there. <laughs> Stephanie, by the by the way, with the daddy's girl on her back of her <laughs> jumpsuit. <laughs> Give me here. She's just, this is just this is the epitome of Stephanie McMahon Helmsley. This the character of Stephanie McMahon Helmsley. What she was at the. Do you like my new jumpsuit? <laughs> it's the daddy's girl. Can't. Now, I wasn't going to go in this direction, but fuck it. Might as well. But fuck it. Okay. You're going to butt fuck <laughs> Stephanie McMahon right here. On, uh... Have you ever heard the rumor of that they were going to do an incest angle with Stephanie and Vince? I, I have heard this, yes. Okay. Now, I, I tend speaking, to... Speaking of... <laughs> I tend to err on the side of reality a little bit more and think that they were just ribbing her. They weren't actually going to do an angle on TV. But can you imagine... I like, because this would have been I right around this time, maybe 2002 to. at the latest. But can you fucking imagine? You, I, you can't make me. <laughs> Next up, it is a match for the Hardcore Championship. It is a triple threat match mm-hmm. as Raven mm-hmm. defends the Hardcore Championship. I can keep playing theme songs. Raven defends the Hardcore Championship against Kane in the Big Show. Um... 
Okay, let's talk about the things that Raven brought in his shopping cart <laughs> to the ring. There was a plant, not match, <laughs> but, oh, it, but some some type of a different plant. It was a ficus. I don't know if it was actually a ficus. I just wanted to say ficus. <laughs> there was a Frankenstein doll. <laughs> I don't know why that was there. Oh, uh, there was also a random flipper. <laughs> the dolphin? <laughs> No, the actual thing you would put on your foot when you go uh, scuba diving. Oh, okay. Slightly less uh, offensive. Uh, I, I don't... <sighs> He's beating a man with a rubber shark. Sorry, wrong shot. Yeah. Um, uh, so I hated this fucking match. <laughs> I really did. Maybe because I used to be such a huge fan of Raven. Like, I was a fan of him at ECW. And then I was a fan when he was doing the Raven's flock in WCW. And this Raven is just, like, such... Ugh. Yeah, this, this match is not... Great. Um, of my notes here, uh, JR says Kane's the future. Good to know. Okay. We'll see how that works out for you. If this is a triple threat match, why did the bell ring before Big Show came out? I don't know. That's a good <laughs> question. Because maybe the bell just automatically rings as soon as there's physical contact. Yeah. Uh, they, go, they go into the crowd and walk past a black sign with neon green letters that says, and I quote, my colon hurts. <laughs> My colon hurts watching this match. Uh, um, I feel really bad for the camera crew. Yeah, because they have to fucking follow these assholes backstage. Not uh, in that I, part, because I'm sure, because that's, I mean, that's shit that you can do earlier in the day. I'm talking about having to wade through the sea of humanity that is the WrestleMania crowd at the Houston Astrodome and try to keep these three guys on camera as they just beat the shit out of each other and go wherever the fuck they want. That's true. There were because uh, there were times there were times when they were over by by the entrance, but you know before they went out back, where you see mm. the camera guy trying to push through people to get to where the to get to where they're fighting, and eventually he just I think just gives up and they cut to a different camera. They but, cut to a different camera. No, uh, you're not wrong. Um, at one point, Kane throws Raven almost through a wall. But yeah, but... I I really hope that they paid the Astrodome back for destroying those fake rooms that they built for WrestleMania. Well, he went through like the plat. There was an imprint of Raven's body in the wall. <laughs> I like uh, my my particular favorite was when they were in that utility closet that was just a room surrounded by chain link fence, and and Big Show locks the door, and Kane then just <laughs> immediately rips the door off. Kane doesn't even wait for him to lock it. He just rips the fucking door off the hinges. Like Kane goes, did you see the first Hell in a Cell, bitch? I don't fucking think so. Yeah, take your door and shove it. Um, <laughs> speaking of shoving it, Kane then, to make up for Raven not going through the wall, almost kills Raven as he throws him through a plain glass window. Again, those rooms have to be fake, right? Those are rooms that they built in that area specifically for this purpose. <laughs> I, I cannot hope so. imagine the Astrodome going, yeah, sure, destroy the fucking field manager's office. Why the hell yeah, not? I was going to say, I hope so. Some guy's going to get to his office on Monday morning. He's not going to be happy. What the fuck? <laughs> so, uh, Janine, where's my fucking window? So Raven goes through the window, and I assume Raven's dead because he just went through a window. But instead, he, he's pretty much back to fighting with both of them within, like, what, 10 seconds? <laughs> Because he's Raven. And then they, they, they fight out to the stage. You missed and... a very important part. Oh, let's when talk... he jumps in the golf cart? Let's talk about the golf carts. All right. For let's just talk a moment here. Right. Because there's something very important here. 
Um, you see Raven and the big show drive off and then almost immediately go off the edge of some cement platform that they're on and then yeah, just so... give up and go on foot. Obviously, obviously not the original plan for the spot, but that's not what we're here to talk about. From everything that I've heard about this match on other podcasts that have recapped WrestleMania X7 and from other things that I've read and heard, when they go off the edge, when the wheel, when the, the wheels of that golf cart go off the edge, you see there is a big, probably uh, an inch in diameter, two inch in diameter, there is a big black cable hanging down that they run over and and pull on just a little bit. That cable is running to the satellite, is the video feed for pay-per-view for WrestleMania X7. If they had oh fucked that cable God. up, there is no WrestleMania X7. I didn't realize that. Yeah. That's so fucked up. Also, one more thing before they go before they go back out into the arena. There's at one point where they're heading towards that little entryway and somebody smashes, I think it was Raven's face, into the what's supposed to be a catering table. It's got all kinds of beverages on it. And yes. JR with the call of the night, there goes the Snapple, fucking <laughs> killed me. Fucking killed me dead. There goes uh, the Snapple. There goes the Snapple. WrestleMania X7, brought to you by Snapple. Just the good stuff. Uh, and I See, tried. I tried to read that whiteboard in the little hallway leading up to the entrance, but I couldn't. I couldn't either. Uh, Snapple. Yeah, chicanery in the backstage area, as they eventually. Even though, so real quick about the golf cart, Raven jumps in it like he tries to escape, and Pig Show jumps on it, and I think that's what threw them off the like the side because they think it was just the weight of the Big Show. He was yeah. like, "Oh, dip." Said I can't actually steer. Which would have been funny if they if it ended up like in the Flintstones, where it just ended up on its side. I love that they just give up and go off on foot, but Kane still gets in the other golf cart it's and then bad. immediately catches up with them and is just like, ah, fuck it, I'll get out too. Uh, so we go to the stage, and Big Big Show picks up Raven for a gorilla press, but decides to wait instead of tossing Raven, and gets kicked in the face, and then both him and Raven fly off the stage into some type of area? I don't know what else to call it. It looked like a shark tank with tables. <laughs> so you described it earlier. The back on, on each side of the stage, they had those big plexiglass WrestleMania X7 banners. The one on the left said WrestleMania, the one on the right said X7 on it. And at the bottom of these, next to the stage, was a small box for some reason. This right. is the reason. Uh, just a small box, a plexiglass box that was there just to, I guess, look pretty. Uh, filled with, <laughs> my favorite part, filled for no reason with just smoke machine fog. <laughs> and so Kane kicks show off of this. Show falls with Raven into it. And then Kane decides to what is later described as hit a leg drop yeah. from the stage uh -huh. to anything that's beneath him. <laughs> I <laughs> felt fucking horrible for Big Show in that spot because God knows what the fuck Kane landed on. <laughs> what part of whatever, you know, breakaway shit that they had set up in that uh, in that spot. Yeah. He has seven foot, 325 Kane coming flying at you. Leg drop. Heavy, uh, heavy on the air quotes. 
Yeah, he and then, pins. And then the my favorite part, Jimmy Corderas just going, eh, and then just counting by smacking the side of the box. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's the new way to count in this uh, in this match. Is, is we're not going to get on, you know, count the traditional way. We're just going to slap the slide, side of the plexiglass three times. Well, Jimmy couldn't get in the box. I also enjoy that if you if you look closely as they're cutting to uh, the next backstage segment, I'm not sure Big Show and Raven knew how to get out of the box. Nope. <laughs> they uh. They gave Kane the hardcore title. Yes, they did. And thankfully... I, will, I, I appreciate, uh, I think it was JR, giving the shout-out to WrestleMania 2000 and talking about how the hardcore title changed hands 15,000 times last year. It did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now we go backstage again. This feels like a fucking... Now, see, this is where they started this shit. Because I've gone through every single WrestleMania, and it wasn't until this one that it, fe- it felt like a Monday Night Raw, mm-hmm. where they just... Backstage segment after backstage segment. Well, again, they had to figure out how to get Big Show and Raven out of that fucking box. <laughs> so we go backstage, and Kurt Angle is watching footage of himself mm-hmm. as he's whining and complaining to Edge that he never actually tapped out to Benoit's crossface. Yeah, Kurt, Kurt Angle going a little bit Jack Nicholson in The Shining here. Yeah, yeah, it was if, definitely a little creepy. If it wasn't, if it wasn't an actual match, and it wasn't actually a referee. <laughs> then it wasn't actually a submission. If it wasn't an actual match, and there wasn't actually a referee, then it wasn't actually a submission. And he's like, oh. right? And Christian's like, I guess. He's like, no! <gasps> it's right. Kurt, for- Kurt forgot his pills that night. Yeah. Uh, elsewhere, Jimmy Snuka, that piece of shit who m- murdered his girlfriend, is shown at WWF New York, because obviously... Let's take the murderer and give him a lifelong get out of jail free card. Coach Jonathan Coachman <laughs> then interviews a fat lady <laughs> who allegedly flew from Australia to Houston to go to her first WWF event. I like that you say allegedly. <laughs> I have no, uh, I'm not sure that that wasn't a plant. I she's seriously a, doubt. She, she's a stunt fat lady. <laughs> uh, the one thing I'll say about this my, segment is that Coach had hair, folks. He, my Coach biggest problem here hair. is he gives Coach gives this woman a chance to speak to the world, and all she all she can come up with is WWF rules. That's all you fucking got, lady. <laughs> and then her fucking friends start chanting Aussie, 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 oi, oi, oi. <laughs> Allegedly. Again, complete acting job. Uh, <laughs> they weren't even good Australian accents, though, right? They really weren't. Anyway. But, okay. anyway, should we move on to the European Championship? First, first, The Rock has to arrive fashionably late. Yeah, by the way, it, it must be nice to be the champ. You literally get to walk in in the middle of the show. You're, no two o'clock call time. <laughs> Just, just show up at like eight. Oh, yeah. What is it? Eight forty-five. Fuck it. <laughs> Fuck it. I was tired. Uh, all right. Yeah. The European title was still a thing in two thousand one. Mm-hmm. And Test was European champion. Not only was Test European champion. Not only was the European Championship still a thing, but Eddie Guerrero actually convinced superstar Billy Graham to walk down to the ring with him. Do you see that? Watch it now. 
That's the king. <laughs> that's the king of hats, Perry Saturn. <laughs> the king of hats, with his with his dyed blonde mustache, <laughs> handlebar mustache, mind you. Mm-hmm. Thought Hogan appeared next year's WrestleMania. Uh, <laughs> so Eddie, always glad to see Eddie. Eddie, you know, it's gonna be putting on a great match because it's Eddie Guerrero. However, he is facing Test, to which I have to ask you, was Test the 2001 version of Big Cass? <laughs> maybe, maybe a little bit more talented. Yeah, I would say more than a little bit, but. Uh, you know, this this match is fine for what it was. Uh, Tess starts off the match with a bunch of offense. Mm-hmm. Kind of figure the big, you know, seven foot. Which, by the way, when he was introduced as Motley Crue's bodyguard, and I know this because I was on the Raw Attitude podcast very recently, <laughs> he was seven feet tall. And JR is talking about Tess being all of six foot six. What the fuck? Look, as you age... You get, he's, he's got he's got early onset osteoporosis. <laughs> it's what the roids will do to you, man. Uh, apparently, so shrinky balls, <laughs> shrinky spine. At one point in this match, the referee and I think it's Kyoto. I'm not 100 percent sure. I thought it was Chad Patton. I have Chad Patton in my maybe it's Chad Patton. He becomes the only you person. When, you remember when they used to tell us the names of the referees? Those were good days. Yeah. Well, now <laughs> now we don't know anybody even if we even if we see them multiple times like yeah it's the nxt ref we know mike kyoto because he's been there for 85 years (laughs) i was gonna say because he's still there they can't erase his name (laughs) um jack doan is gone oh please jack doan's been gone no but seriously if i say the nxt ref you know exactly what i'm talking about but you don't know his name (laughs) (laughs) um so at one point the ref becomes the only person in the Astrodome not to see Saturn come in the ring and hit <laughs> Tess with a neckbreaker. <laughs> like everybody in the entire fucking arena watched Saturn walk in and somehow the referee did not and, and even JR's like, Hey ref <laughs> yeah. Hey dumbass <laughs> Yeah, there was a spot there was a spot in the ropes. That looked like it may have been a botch or might not have been a botch. If it was Wait, a botch, he caught was... his leg in the ropes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When he goes upside down, very good. If it wasn't planned, it was very good ad libbing on the part of Eddie Guerrero to grab the referee and have Perry Saturn attack him on the outside. Yes, but also very good on Jr. Because uh, at one point Eddie actually has to help the ref get Test out of <laughs> ropes. <laughs> And JR covers it beautifully, and he's like, well, he can't win the European title exactly. if he's caught up in the ropes. Exactly. So you can't win the title on a count-out. Um, and as if we didn't have enough radical interference in this match. Radical. At one point, the Test R- hits... The r forticals. Yeah. At one point, Test hits the big boot. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you picked up on this. <laughs> but instead of going for the cover, he kind of homes and haws for a little bit and kind of oh. looks down the aisleway and... Home, I'm sorry, Holmes and Hawes? Well, you know, it's it's Houston, Texas. Hems <laughs> and Hawes? Yeah, sure. And he kind of looks down the aisleway, and he kind of waits for a few minutes, and then he goes to the cover, and, oh, look, Dean Malenko just showed up and pulls Test out of the ring. Dean Malenko in a, in a shirt he stole from Arn Anderson. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> um. <laughs> also, referee sees Dean Malenko do this, doesn't call for the bell. Yeah. 
This allows Eddie to nail Test in the face with the European Championship belt and then cover Test for the win. Mm-hmm. Your winner and new European champion, Eddie Guerrero. Yeah, I noted another sudden finish. Again, I'm not used to 2001 wrestling anymore. Sudden? It took 10 minutes for Dean to run down <laughs> the ramp. <laughs> Test is looking like, come on, man. Come on, Junior. I'm not supposed to be. What are you, Papa Shango? Come on, get down here. You want a long, you want a long fucking time to t- it takes to get to the fucking ring. Watch SummerSlam '92 and how long it takes fucking Ric Flair and and uh, Mister Perfect to get to the ring during the Hogan, uh, not Hogan, sorry, during the Warrior Macho Man match. Fuck uh, it, I forever. Watched SummerSlam '92, and I'll give you a cheap plug. Uh, on the three way three way theater podcast, yes, phenomenal job by the I way. Had, I had such a blast doing that. Those are they're great uh, guys over there. I was really confused when I first started listening to the episode because I thought the Legion of Doom and um, Money, Inc. were fighting for the tag title. <laughs> so did JC. I, uh-huh. Like, what? I had to like, go back at Wikipedia and be like, wait a minute, who the fuck were the tag champs? And apparently, the nobody, uh, Natural Disasters yeah. wanted a house show like a month before. So. <laughs> because that makes fucking sense. And people want to complain about the booking of the tag titles now. <laughs> <laughs> at least at least now you know who the champions are. Uh we go backstage again and did you happen to catch a very young very frosted tipped Michael Cole <laughs> interviewing Mick Foley about being the ref in the street fight between Vince and Shane McMahon. I like that you I like that you ask if I happened to catch something that was the main focus of that segment and not something that happened in the background. <laughs> Well, I mean, it was a backstage. You might have been getting up and getting something. I don't know. <laughs> I put uh, effort into this, goddammit. <laughs> Mick gets the cheap pop, and we go on to our next match. Of course. Which, by the way, they hurt him. <laughs> <laughs> they hurt him just fine, so I don't know what Bradshaw's problem was. Maybe they just don't like Bradshaw. It's because they went, oh, McFoley. <laughs> Kurt Angle against Chris Benoit. Now, <laughs> I am not kidding you. I went to do something for my notes in preparation for this episode, and I searched WrestleMania X7 results because I wanted a way to put it into my Word document easier. And it brought me to the WWF website to which they list the matches. (laughs) Why am I not surprised to find out that they purposely did not list this match? Kurt Angle in singles action. Uh I'm not sure if that's actually what it says on the network or not, but uh... it just it, it I don't know what it says on the network, but on the WWE actual <laughs> website. Oh, and Kurt Angle was there. Under results, it this match is completely excluded. Yeah. Why? Because Kurt Angle is fighting Chris Benoit. Mm-hmm. Gonna kill my wife. Gonna kill my kids. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you're not affected by watching this shit. Gonna kill my wife. Gonna kill my whole family. <laughs> Kurt grabs the mic. I literally wrote in my notes Chris Benoit theme song, so I wouldn't forget to do that. <laughs> Kurt grabs the mic and cuts a pretty decent heel promo on the Texas crowd. Can we agree this is prime Kurt Angle? Oh, I love this Kurt Angle because it's so condescending, but it's also so delusional. Like, I'm your Olympic hero. Why aren't you cheering me? Still had that <laughs> great square haircut. Good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> Oh, it's funny because he tells them to lose their frigging cowboy hats. 
They're not seven years old anymore. <laughs> to which Paul Heyman says, hey, hey, JR, do you, you hear what he said? Do you hear him? Do you hear him? Huh? He's like, what kind of man calls WrestleMania wearing a hat? Meanwhile, he's got he's a wearing the baseball, baseball hat. hat. Uh, Paul, Paul Heyman actually has gone on record to say that when he commentated with JR, he loved saying things just to aggravate him. I, I, I haven't. I actually made a note. I think it's later on in the show here uh, about there it is. It is. Um, yeah, it's it's during the uh, during the Shane McMahon promo leading up to leading up to that match where I wrote down JR seems to legitimately hate Paul Heyman. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely knew how to get it under his skin. Um, now, it's very interesting the way they start this match because Benoit and Angle start the match very map-based, very technical. Mm-hmm. But ben, as Benoit gets the advantage, Angle decides to end all that amateur bullshit and just drills ben, Benoit with a clubbing boat blow to the back mm-hmm. of the head. Well, they had been going <laughs> submission for submission. It was a very technical feud. Yeah, until until not, Angle popped. <laughs> it's not an official match, and it's not an actual official, and it's not an actual submission. Uh, they brawl on the outside for a bit, including Angle sending Benoit flying into the steel steps. And did you notice where Benoit hit the steps? Mm, go on. He hit it with the back of his head first. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to leave that there for a second. <laughs> Angle goes for the top root moonsault. Beautiful form, but unfortunately he misses. Mm-hmm. This is uh, this allows Benoit to hit his top rope headbutt, but Angle actually kicks out. Angle... Yeah, we'll get to that. Angle then grabs Benoit on a roll-up, and despite all his technical prowess, pulls the tights to get the win. Mm-hmm. Your winner, mm-hmm. in driving Chris Benoit more insane, Kurt Angle. Mm-hmm. Jack Doan kind of gave away the false finish there on that angle with the count on the angle slam. If yeah. You, if you go back, if you go back and watch it again, it was literally one, two, a kick out. Ah, uh, uh, there you go. <laughs> uh, but you know, for what it's worth, though, I enjoyed this match. There was oh, a yeah, lot absolutely. of absolutely, absolutely. You know, Benoit you not... versus Angle, you're gonna love this exactly. match. It is. It, it is. I wrote this down later in the backstage segment that that uh, we can get to in a second. But in all seriousness, we we make the jokes and everything. But it it is really, really unfortunate about the circumstances, the personal circumstances that befell Benoit, because uh, honestly, in, in other than that, he should be remembered as one of the greatest technical wrestlers in the history of the business. Yes. But because of that one thing, and I'm not blaming anyone for this because it's a hell of a one thing. But right. because of that he never will be and he'll always just be kind of scrubbed from existence at this point like you talked about on the on the website or on the network where they won't even list his name in 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 you know the segment titles. He it's 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 really a goddamn shame. It is and it's not it wasn't just technical. We're not talking just like Dean Malenko here. That intensity that he brought mm-hmm. in every single match. It made it made every match of his like you were on the edge of your seat. Sure. You know, again, everybody knows what he did and it was years later, but I as I had mentioned last year when I when I recapped his match between it was actually coincidentally Angle and Jericho in a triple threat. Um 
I'm not going to talk about what he did. I'm going to talk about his match because yeah. I enjoyed the matches that he had. Absolutely, hundred percent. Going back and watching him on on Nitro, he's he's again he's he's one of the greatest of all time. But he'll never be recognized for that because of the the shitty things that happened at the very very end. And it it is a it is a goddamn shame. Speaking of which, um, new host to the rundown, Jeff said that uh, actually volunteered and said he wanted to to co-host a WrestleMania with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is it told me the same it, thing about Nitro Mania. Is it mean that I'm going to make him do WrestleMania 20? I think it's fitting. I mean, that's where it all begins again. <laughs> that's right. There you go. Uh, but I'll let him talk about the uh, culmination of Benoit's journey. <laughs> you can you can recap the awesome like face that Kane makes when the Undertaker comes out when he just goes, "I killed you. You're not real. I killed you." <laughs> Uh, backstage, William Regal is walking to his office. Uh, Michael Cole I, tries to interview him. And did you catch what Regal called him? I, I didn't. I, I was going to comment on your post on Twitter saying that we would explain this. And I, I think you're putting far too much credence on the word explain. I completely forgot about the gimmick battle royal at this point in the show and was extremely confused to see Kamala <laughs> at this moment. Like, what the fuck is happening? Before we see Kamala, yeah. Uh, what, did I, what did he say to Michael Cole? I got too distracted by Kamala to pay attention to, to, to try to remember anything else that happened here. He calls him a miserable creature. <laughs> Fucking miserable you, little creature. Um, and then Regal... also, I, I found it odd. I mean, I understand that you know that he he had the opening match on the card, but I find it odd that he's still walking around backstage in his trunks <laughs> in a WrestleMania X Seven baseball jersey. Well, it, it's a very large. I mean, Astrodome is a very large place. I mean, <laughs> taking him at least an hour to get back to his office at this point. Uh, yes, and then Regal does the classic uh, comedic face where he like double looks, like what? What? <laughs> and we can out, and Kamala is standing on his desk in full gear with a picture of Queen Elizabeth. Rubbing against his stomach. No, not the queen. <laughs> Meanwhile, Kim Chi, mm-hmm. who I can only hope is still Brook and Brawler at I, this point. It had to be. Is yelling at him to get down. Regal starts yelling at Kim Chi to make him get down. And then Regal goes, he wants me to rub the moon on his belly. Is he mad? <laughs> as far as I can tell, everyone in the gimmick battle royal... In terms of, you know, the hooded or the face painted or the masked superstars were all performed by their original performers. Um, you know, Doink the Clown was uh, was Matt Bourne. Uh, uh, the gobbledygooker oh, see, I thought was, it was Jericho. The gobbled... <laughs> no, it was Pentagon Jr. The gobbledygooker was, was Hector Guerrero. So, Wait, was the gobbledygooker originally yeah. Hector Guerrero? Hector Guerrero. Oh, that's a way to bring in a fucking Guerrero to your company. Never mind. <laughs> I'm not going to even go there. Never mind. Um, <laughs> I, I do like the fact that even after Kim Chi left, William Regal is just fucking horrified. Wouldn't you be? <laughs> oh, absolutely. This mostly naked racist caricature of an African savage is dancing on your desk. Wouldn't you be horrified? Hey, I was horrified the first time I saw him back in 1992, so I was eight years old, but still, I was horrified. Yeah, I was going to say shout out to Lumberjake, who probably had nightmares during that segment, given what we learned during the SummerSlam 92 episode of Three-Way <laughs> Theater, but anyway. Uh, anyway, then we go to Kevin Kelly, who I didn't realize was working for the company at this point, but it makes sense. 
Uh, he's backstage and tries to get an interview with Kurt Angle. Uh, but then he gets viciously attacked by Benoit. Not Kurt, like Kurt Angle viciously is, not Kevin attacked. Kelly. Yeah, just for specificity. <laughs> and and you know not like how Benoit would become known to viciously attack people later on in his life, but like in like no, no, story. No, 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 no. <laughs> he uh, he gets attacked by Benoit and Benoit locks him in the crossface and Angle once again taps. Yeah, I'm glad I made the all the in all serious comment earlier and not after that joke. Because now you can go. It's good to see this feud continues. I honestly don't remember where it went. I'm assuming they had some type of match at like Backlash or something like that. Probably. Do you happen to recall where this feud went? Nope. Probably fought about seven more times on pay per view. <laughs> they fought at WrestleMania at uh, Royal Rumble 2003 oh. for the uh, for the title, as I recall. A three year feud. No. <laughs> um. Oh, man, this next match. Okay. <laughs> so back as I've as I've gone through these WrestleManias, in the past few WrestleManias, I have been privileged enough to see the evolution of China, who went from being just Triple H's bodyguard in ninety eight to a focal point in DX in ninety nine. And then she was part of a six man in two thousand and got the pinfall in the six-man wrestling with the men. So let's go backwards, and let's put her in a match for the uh, Women's Championship against Ivory. Now, with the firing of Stacey Cotter, a.k.a. the Cat, this kind of makes more sense, because the Cat was in a feud with the right to censor. Uh, Kat was trying to fight for her right for nudity, which makes sense, uh, <laughs> given her character. But You want to fight for your yeah. right to titties. <laughs> but instead we have China put in this match. Uh, China fresh off of her Playboy appearance. This was, uh, I think, a couple months after she appeared nude in Playboy. Uh, and China's in great shape, but they're they're hyping up the fact that Ivory, quote-unquote, broke her neck back in December. Hmm. Whatever. Now, Ivory makes her way to the ring looking like a 1960s, you know, Catholic school teacher. <laughs> and China comes to the ring. First of all, I will say she's in fantastic shape. Uh, and then... But she comes to the stage and shoots a load of fireworks from her bazooka. Gimmick infringement. <laughs> into the air, I guess. I, I always wondered how they did that with the uh, fireworks shooting bazooka. But whatever. Uh, Ivory attacks China. It's just like a bunch of Roman candles. Probably. Probably. Ivory attacks China, but that doesn't last long. Mm -hmm. Probably 12 seconds. Yeah. And then China just flattens her and wins the women's championship. Yeah. The fuck is up with China's hair? It's crimpy. So, no. much, so much fucking hair. It's it's just everywhere. My I, wife goes, that has to be fake, right? I'm like, I don't think so. Also, uh, China China's the, the obvious face here going against the right to censor and, and, and Ivory in her uh very, you know I was gonna say none, but it's kinda of, anyway. Her her outfit. Um mm -hmm. Isn't 
pinning your opponent but pulling them up at two a heel thing to do? Um, usually, unless you're that much more dominant than your uh, than your opponent. I mean, didn't Kyrie Sane just do that to um, Aaliyah in NXT when she was trying to prove to um, Shayna Baszler that she was tough? She like hit her with the insane elbow, but then pulled her up and then started beating her up more. <laughs> I was gonna, as soon as you said Evolution, I started I started trying to look up the Evolution theme song on my phone, but I couldn't remember the title of it, so I couldn't find it. So I can play it now, but the joke is gone. So That's eh, a mystery. I just uh, want to completely ruin your flow there. But yeah, China wins the women's title. This is really a nothing match. There's yeah. no point to it. The only thing the only thing I noticed that, that really stuck, stood out to me from this match was me remembering how much I liked the design of the Attitude Era women's title. Yeah. It was okay. Yeah. And having to, of, having to look up that last plate, that kind of weird rectangular-looking plate that was on the very end of it, because I know that it wasn't on the replicas that they sold, and it looked like the SmackDown logo to me, like the classic SmackDown. I'm like, it's not the classic SmackDown logo. And I had to look it up and know it's the it's like the copyright trademark logo for Jamar, who made the fucking belt. I just thought it was interesting that that was that, that was on there. But I I, I like that title. I like the look of that title. I thought uh, it was a very good representation of the women's division in the Attitude Era. With kind of the, uh, I like that kind of, it's not flames, it's kind of like a sawtooth kind of design around the I was going to say, center, it, it kind of reminded medallion. me of a buzzsaw. I think that's yeah. what always mm, stuck with me for better or worse. I like it. I'm a fan. Uh, backstage again, because again, that's what we do here at WrestleMania. And Vince is instructing Steph <laughs> and Trish on this... how to operate the LindaBot 2001. This fucking segment. <laughs> uh, out of nowhere... Out of nowhere, Michael Cole bursts in the into the room. He doesn't really knock. He like does the knock and opens the door as he knocks. Uh, and he asks Vince about his son purchasing WCW, and Vince completely ignores the question. <laughs> Instead, saying, "You want to see shocking? I'll show you shocking." Which led me to believe we were going to get another Shane McMahon's testicles hooked up to a car battery situation, but uh, sadly, no. It was something else. I was thinking we were going to get the shock master. <laughs> I mean, he did just purchase WCW. Uh, we get a nice little video package here highlighting I... not only Shane purchasing WCW, yeah, but well, also Vit Vince saying before he found out that Shane purchased it mm-hmm. that you have to... Grab your competition by the throat and squeeze the life out of it. Yeah, I feel like I feel like we should have known that the the invasion was going to end up being absolute garbage. When, oh, what makes you say that? When it was introduced as part of the Shane versus Vince vegetable Linda angle. Oh, <laughs> uh, there's um. There's something that we'll get to, and I think it's coming up soon, that's even more glaring <laughs> of of why that we should have known that it was going to be the, the absolute drizzling shits. Yeah, a couple of, couple of seconds here. Yes. Um, so anyway, I enjoyed the video package. I thought, I thought it recapped it nicely for yeah. anybody. Again, like, I, like, I said, like I said before, I, I had completely, completely forgotten. I didn't think even think of that when I looked at the date that this is six days after that episode of Raw, and so uh, it was kind of fun to go back and watch watch that again, and that awesome 
Shane McMahon promo. The name on the contract does say McMahon. <gasps> just, just good stuff. Just good stuff. Um, also, did you catch Vince going all uh, Nikki Bella on Shane here during this video recap? Where he's like, I'll never forgive your mother for giving birth <laughs> to you. <laughs> Secret. Oh, Vince with his friggin' over the top, <laughs> over dramatic delivery. Yep. Uh, Shane McMahon comes out to the ring, and to my shock, he comes out to No Chance in Hell. I thought he had his money music by this point. Yeah, I would have thought so as well. But uh, no, it's coming down to the exact same music as his father. So, you know, way to forge out on your own there, son. <laughs> uh, decides to no grab a microphone. You, decides to grab a microphone. And this, <laughs> this is, is where this... we should have predicted the death of WCW this a is, second time. This is for two reasons. First, Shane calls out the boys that he bought the luxury box for up at the top. And the cameraman that they first cut to has no fucking idea where to look. <laughs> Like, right. I'm pretty sure he had no idea that was coming. They just like, get a shot! And he swings around and just, here's a far shot of the balcony. We're not going to zoom in at all because I have no idea where the fuck I'm supposed to look. Right. And then, and then they give us the camera in the skybox. And, oh, look, it's Mark fucking Jindrak. See, it's funny that you noticed it was Mark Jindrak because, as you mentioned, Shane grabs the mic, wants to give out a shout out to his new boys. Yeah a.k.a. WCW wrestlers, the camera goes out, we don't see anything but skyboxes. It's nothing. It's like nothing at all. literally the furthest you could be from an actual view. <laughs> then we cut back to Shane. Then we cut back to the actual camera in the skybox, and the only person I noticed was Stacy Keebler. <laughs> Stacy Keebler, maybe four dudes sitting around her, not, did not look like a full box, did not look like they were having fun. And I was like, I think I think Sean O'Hare was there. That's the WC. That's the WCW that's wrestlers. The invasion. First of all, and I understand there was a lot of contractual issues, but if you were gonna do that, shouldn't it have been like full? Shouldn't you <laughs> had like you know maybe like a dozen people in there? Yeah, where's Norman Pref fucking Smiley? Preferably somebody like Booker T or maybe mm -hmm. even uh, Scott Steiner. Buff Bagwell. Somebody. <laughs> Instead, this is our first – for anybody who was a loyal WWF fan in 2001, never switched the channel. This is his first impression of WCW. Yes, I was that loyal WWF fan in 2001, and I don't remember this happening. <laughs> Like I watched, I watched WrestleMania. WrestleMania X Seven. What is it? Was at a point where I was, uh, I, I was purchasing every single one of these shows, uh, and I do not remember this at all. I don't remember them showing the WCW boys. Do you know why? Because when they went to show the boys, all you saw was the crowd, and you were <laughs> just like, eh. <laughs> yeah. Um. So then. Uh, Shane introduces special referee for the match, Mick Foley. Now, Mick just wrestled last year in the main event. A McMahon he, in every corner. Yes, don't remind me. He <laughs> he did have shorter hair in, in 2000, but this haircut? Mm, it's old mop-top Mick. 
Yeah. <laughs> that was a perfect way to describe it. Mop top Mick, just like a ball of curls placed on top of his head. Uh, he got a decent pop. I'll say that. Obviously, it's Mick of fucking course. Foley. Of course. Uh, and then Vince comes out to No Chance in Hell, which, like, uh, you know, <laughs> we just had two guys come out the exact same music who supposedly ate each other. Accompanied to the ring tonight by Stephanie McMahon Helmsley. Because, yes, she was a Helmsley first. <laughs> uh, speaking, of, Vince... speaking of that briefly, uh, and I touched on it briefly, that I went and I watched some of, not all of, but some of the next night's episode of Raw. Mm-hmm. And I found it very interesting that, Jer- that Jericho, no, that Triple H is using the Motorhead time to play the game theme song. But mm-hmm. Stephanie is still using the My Time theme song. My Time. I actually enjoyed that. I, I like the fact that she came down to that theme song. Because it, it was like, you knew when it was her coming out, and you knew when Hunter sure. was coming out. Sure. But holy Christ, the next night's episode of Raw, she opens the show with a promo, and it is so fucking bad. Well, what's she... worse? A very green, very not used to talking to a live crowd, Stephanie McMahon at the age of like 24, or what we get now. Now. <laughs> I, swear, I swear to God, you go back to 2001, she is, like you said, she is that not 100% comfortable, but still trying to work it and using that high-pitched, that screech, whine, daddy's little princess voice. It is the worst fucking thing. <laughs> Meanwhile, now we just get... I started the women's evolution. I Wanda, how could you? This. I'm your friend. Ow, my arm. <laughs> ow, ow, Rhonda, you're hurting me. Ow. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. Oh, good stuff. Uh, ow, you're hurting me. Mm. Yeah. Uh, did you notice Vince was sporting the baggy t-shirt tonight? <laughs> Now, uh, given the punishment he would take in this match, it, it kind of explains itself yeah. later on. But initially, I'm like, what happened to the genetic jackhammer? They used to come <laughs> up with this friggin' man oil. Because <laughs> that's what he called it. If you, anybody went back uh, and listened to the Raw Attitude podcast episode that I was on, <laughs> Vince decides it's not baby oil. It's man it's oil. Man oil. Allow me uh, to not, give you credit because I thought that uh, even at five hours long, a very enjoyable, very listenable uh, episode. Not that there, not that there, there are episodes of the Raw Attitude podcast that aren't listenable, but a very good, uh, good recap of Royal Rumble '99. Uh, thank you. Uh, anytime me and Henry get together to talk about old school wrestling, we could just talk for hours, and yep. we did. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna be doing that uh, soon myself. <laughs> um. Now, as far as this match goes, I mean, what did we really expect? We have a brawl between two non-wrestlers. Yeah. So, of course, they were going to put a lot of smoke and mirrors to, to kind of get over it. And that's, you know, that's exactly what we got. We got kendo stick shots, which, to me, it didn't look like Shane was holding back on any yeah. of those. This, this, is one of those, this is one of those times when you have to take a step back and give Vince McMahon credit for the things that he does for his company Mm. because he didn't need to go out there and get the absolute shit beaten out of him by his son at WrestleMania X seven. And yet here we are, he is out there getting the absolute shit beaten out of him. 
And for anybody who thinks that uh, Vince would have it any other way, no, he, I'm telling you, every single time Vince is, steps in that ring, he will tell who he's working, you know, make sure you fucking lay it in. Like, we got to get this shit over. Lay your shit in. Hit me! That's why, Hit me! That's, it's it's got to be why Shane is the same way. It's one of those things yes. where... And I, I completely understand the logic behind it is you can't, you can't tell Mick Foley to to step back into that other podcast. You can't tell Mick Foley to go out there and take twelve unprotected chair shots to the head with his hand hands cuffed behind his back, if you're not willing to go out there and get the shit beaten out of you. Exactly, exactly. So to Vince's credit and Shane, they will all in to a point, Stephanie. Yeah, they he, will always do just anything they ask from for from the boys they'll do themselves yeah people talk people like to give you know the commands crap for for doing stuff like this for trying to be oh they they think they're one of the boys they think they can do it yeah because if because they're not going to ask their performers their employees to do something that they're not willing to do themselves and they may mm -hmm. not be I, I think it's very fair to say that they may not be as talented in the ring as the performers that they have hired, but they are they are willing to go out there and and get the shit kicked out of them. And not only in the ring in front of the camera, I mean it has been well documented. Vince, I'm pretty sure Hunter's the same way. They yeah, all work saying, like twenty hours a day. Are you saying Vince beats the shit out of people off camera too? <laughs> I'm saying that they never stop. They, <laughs> they their work ethic is probably the best in the business. They literally sleep maybe two hours a night. Um, and that's how they've been for like 30 years. They, they, they just, there's always work to be done, mm -hmm. which you got to give them credit for in that regard. For over 50 years, the dominating force in sports entertainment. I was going to say for over 50 years, Vince has been awake. Uh, <laughs> uh, speaking of, of putting your body on the line when you don't have to, when you own the fucking company, Shane goes up to the top turnbuckle at one point, tries to hit Vince with an elbow from the top. Mm -hmm. But Stephanie channels her inner Sami Zayn, <laughs> even though that wasn't a thing back in 2001. And she pulls Vince yeah. off the table, and Shane goes crashing through the table. Yeah. Very, a very obviously telegraphed spot with Stephanie being right there. I think far too early, mm -hmm. yelling at Shane not to do it. But uh, again, Shane McMahon is fucking crazy. There's a reason why I. Personally, used to call him Shane Superbump McMahon back in the day. <laughs> uh, now, as Shane lays there out cold, I feel like I feel like Shane used to go into the pay-per-views like as they were, you know, setting things up like the day before or whatnot. Go into the ring with his opponent and just kind of point somewhere in the arena and go, "You see that? You see that up there? I'm gonna fucking jump off that." <laughs> You're not kidding, because <laughs> as, as crazy as Vince is for for lit, you know taking the beatings that we've seen him get uh shane is even hey, more deranged hey kurt hey kurt you see those uh you see those panes of glass up there you're gonna throw me through them twice should we get gimmick glass yeah <laughs> tell my father we're getting the gimmick glass but throw me through the real thing <laughs> um so i still remember the fucking thunk when Shane didn't go through the first time and his head just cracked off the floor. Oh, that dunk is sickening. Um, so, at this I'm point, sorry, Trish, what were we talking about? Yes, at this point, Trish decides to roll Lindabot 2001 down to the ring. 
Uh, Shane is dead. What, what we don't know is that she is in her boot up sequence. <laughs> well, it takes a little bit to boot up. Uh, but however, Trish goes over to check on Vince. Trish, who just recently crawled around and barked like a dog. Say it in dog language. To prove her loyalty to Vince, decides that, you know what? Well, tonight's WrestleMania, and I don't want to be loyal to Vince. And she slaps Vince across the face. Uh, it's still one of the dumbest things that Henry and I quote to each other all the fucking time. <laughs> Say it in dog language. <laughs> now, this, of course, causes Stephanie to slap Trish, which then enrages Trish to go after Stephanie. Credit to... Credit, I don't remember what Steph was wearing, but credit to Trish for chasing Steph in those fucking knee-high silver glitter fucking stiletto boots she was wearing. I was going to say, she chased her down, too. She was like, fuck that. I'm getting my fuck. I'm getting her. Um, it's funny because Foley tries to separate them, but then in what would become a staple in Mick Foley's career, gets <laughs> slapped across the face by Stephanie. Yeah. And then goes, all right, fucking have her, bitch. <laughs> ah, fuck it then. Um, Stephanie runs away, and Trish goes after her and chases her to the back. Mm -hmm. And then Vince looks at Linda <laughs> like she just peed in his cereal. <laughs> he is, like, seething just at the sight of Linda. And as he starts verbally laying into her, Mick Foley gets in between and goes, no, 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 Vince. Wow. Not on my watch. And I thought that was a, that was a great spot. A good callback to last year because Linda was the one who brought him back for that WrestleMania match. And, you know, so he and Linda have that special bond. Speaking of callbacks And also, we're year. not going to beat up a 60-year-old woman on pay-per-view. <laughs> wow. I had my thought. I had my doubts. Speaking <laughs> of uh, callbacks, so Mick Foley turns around to wheel Linda back, you know, to the back. And Vince takes a chair and hits Foley... You guessed it, mm -hmm. right on the back of his skull. Because, you know, 12 concussions is not, not enough. Here's number 13. With Foley out of the picture. Sorry, wrong guy. Well, <laughs> with Foley out of the picture, Vince then places Linda in the ring, <laughs> so takes a chair. So fucking weird. Puts the chair in the corner. So fucking weird. Sits Linda on the chair and says, you're going to watch this. This is what I do to my real dolls when you're not home. <laughs> he then proceeds to take multiple trash cans, throw them in the ring, hit Shane with a number of them. But all of a sudden, yeah. if you listen very, very closely, like if you you got to turn you got to turn the volume all the way up on your TV and try not to get deafened by the crowd sound. But if you listen very, very closely, you can hear the very, uh, very faint, uh, the Mac startup noise. It just goes bong. Linda That's bot. right. Linda as, bot active. As Vince lifts the garbage can above his head and turns his back to his wife, his uh... wife then boots up, stands up to the roar <laughs> of the crowd. The yeah, fucking I... place exploded. Yeah, I, I remember how awful this storyline was, but God damn do i also remember how awesome that reveal was <laughs> when she just fucking stands up and you're like fuck yeah you'll get your shit now and as unaware as vince is shane kindly points so that vince <laughs> can turn around <laughs> linda 
unfortunately, her circuits start to uh, crisscross, and uh, she starts shaking with anger. Vince then kindly spreads his legs, just ever so slightly. I didn't notice that in 2001. I definitely noticed it here. So that Linda can kick him in the grapefruits. Grapefruits. (laughs) I gotta say, though, that the the masses at the Astrodome went... God. Just like Pat Patterson so was saying. They, they went banana. Yeah. Uh, I remember this was 2001, so I was either watching this at a Hooters or at Good Time. I was at Good Times. And fucking it's fucking crazy, man, because you're just like, "Oh, fucking Linda." But the, I remember the, at Good Times everybody was like, "Oh shit, she's going to kick the shit out of them." The reason I was laughing so hard earlier when you said Linda bot earlier is because the way she stands up <laughs> Is just arms at her side. She just stands like straight fucking up. Just whoop. <laughs> Linda, activate. Seriously. Um, so after Vince gets kicked in the cock, <laughs> you know what? You know what? Nothing, nothing. I just thought of this. Instead of hitting him in the nuts with with her foot, what she should have did is she should have knocked him or punched him in the nuts. <laughs> Imagine if Linda just went, Wah! Give him a lightning fist right to the goddamn sack. <laughs> um, Foley then comes back in the ring. He beats the shit out of Vince. <laughs> including a knee to the face that looked kind of stiff. Uh-huh. Um, Lay it in good. And this allows Shane to what I believe might be the first time ever. Go coast to coast with a drop kick from across the ring. To a trash can. To a trash can to Vince's head. This allows Shane to get the one, the two, and the three. And we all mourn the passing of Vince McMahon. Yeah, because he literally should have been dead after that move. Uh, your winner, Shane McMahon. Here comes now, the money. Now we never because Shane won this match at, at Wrestle Fucking Mania. We never have to see Vince again on TV after this, right? <laughs> That's it. Control oh. the company goes to Shane. If only. <laughs> yeah, then we got a nice shot of the boys again. Oh wait, no, we didn't hear from them <laughs> at all for the rest of the fucking night. Right. <laughs> Whatever happened to those Invasion. WCW guys? They thought they were getting a match that night. <laughs> poor, poor Mark Jindrak and. Possibly Sean Stasiak, I think. I'm pretty sure Sean O'Hare was up there. Uh, I think you're making that up. Anyway. <laughs> I'll have to go back and Oh, wait. No, I don't care. <laughs> we go to highlights of Access, which at this point is full-blown Access. I'll give him credit. It was, uh, it was one day. <laughs> yeah, but some of the old WrestleManians I've I, uh, been recapping, I think it was like WrestleMania uh, 10 was FanFest, and it yeah. was like it literally looked like it was in like a department store. <laughs> And it probably was. It was probably just one signing, and they called it FanFest. But no, I mean, the idea access is great. And we see the Hardys there, and they're talking about the dangers of TLC, too. If I was those fans, I would be so fucking pissed. I'm waiting in line to get a, to get a fucking <laughs> autograph and, like, a picture with the Hardy boys. And I get up there, and they're fucking talking to Kevin Kelly or whoever the fuck it was. And I'm like, I'm here. I paid to be here. You pay attention to me now. So you say that, and I'd be a mark for myself knowing that I was going to get on TV. But they I mean, wouldn't the have. They didn't show any of the goddamn fans. 
that's true. That is true. Um, maybe you could start a Kevin Kelly sucks chant. I mean, <laughs> her me, her me, her me. <laughs> so this match was more interesting last year when they did it. It's got to be the first time that they've done the same match, basically the same match, back to back WrestleManias. Nope, uh, last just... year it was a triangle ladder match, and this year it's just a straight out TLC match. Yes, that's not the same. No, the not same. at all. <laughs> um, but we this is one of the we get one of the most iconic ladder match spots in history here, so you can't yes. complain that much. And, and, and that's the thing it's, it's the match before that I watched at last year's WrestleMania. I thought was better. This match, however, was still good, and I just wanted to quickly go through some of the highlights in this match, some of the vicious spots in this match. Yeah. Um, at one point, Edge and Christian put Matt in the tree of ro- in the tree of woe and then stand on his nutsack. <laughs> uh, Jeff gets powerbombed onto Edge through a table by Bubba. I thought that was nice. Yeah. That spot when all three teams are on the top of the ladders and they each slowly tip over one by one and Christian leaps off the ladder to the floor? Yes. Jesus fuck. That looked vicious. Uh, Matt gets gored through a table by Rhino. Yeah. That looked vicious. Lita hits Rhino with a flying her Karana, <laughs> and he actually flips and sells it. Yeah. Uh, Jeff my, takes out... Here's my note on something that happened shortly after that. Things you would never see today. A tag finisher on a woman. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say Lita ripping her shirt off. And didn't, didn't Lita take fighting. a 3D? Oh. She did. Yeah. She did take a 3D. And you're correct. You would never see that in today's WWE. But you would also see, never see probably the Dudley Boys since their gimmick was powerbomb women through a table. <laughs> no. Let's get a little more specific. Their, their gimmick was powerbombing women through tables makes Bubba Ray Dudley come. That, that's true. And powerbombing old women through a table. Because <laughs> they think he did it to Mae Young first. Um Jeff takes so out maybe Spike. The, maybe the hand is Bubba Ray's. Maybe. Jeff takes out Spike and Rhino with a swanton off a 20-foot ladder through a table. That's got to be a 20-foot ladder. Um, Jeff Hardy's a fucking nut. <laughs> just, he's just a nut. He's just a crazy person. Um, did, you watch, did you watch their 24 on, on the network? I did not, and go, I wanted to. This go is the one that when they when they are you know secretly appearing at WrestleMania thirty three, no, the, the the one where they actually go and talk about all their fucking demons and shit. You gotta you gotta check. Oh that out. no, I do have to go check that you out. Gotta check that out. This is there's just so much fucking wrestling. I think it's a twenty. I think it's a twenty four. It might not be. But, you but no, check, I know, I know. You're. I definitely want to check that out. Um, but given the spots they're doing matches like this, I'm not surprised mm. they had a lot of demons. Um, and then, as you mentioned, before we get to the finish, the most iconic spot in TLC history, mm-hmm. uh, was fucked up at the beginning, by the way, because what they had done is they had set up three ladders in, uh, sequential order to the titles and Jeff tried to walk across all three from yeah. the turnbuckle. Probably uh, shouldn't have planned that. Cause I don't think that was that ever up. going to work. He fucked that up because obviously that's not a thing unless you weigh like three pounds. He saved it because he didn't fall to the mat. But He saved it because he didn't fall to the mat. Instead, he kind of jumped down and just set up the ladder and climbed up it, grabbed the belts, uh, and then the Dudleys, I believe, it was removed Bubba, the ladder. It was Bubba Ray, took the ladder away. Jeff Hardy's foot gets caught in the ladder. 
Yes. <laughs> didn't notice that. I was going to say, they have to kind of drag the ladder away because Jeff's foot is caught up in the ladder. And Jeff's just hanging there. Just hanging on the belts. What's up, Houston? Until Edge comes off of a ladder set up in the corner, probably a 20-foot ladder, and spears Jeff in midair Gorgeous. down to the canvas. One of the most iconic spots in WrestleMania history, one of the most replayed spots in WWE history. In, in the Don't Try This at Home video. But yes. I think it is it is one of the most it is one of the most iconic spots in, in ladder match history because of how perfectly it was pulled off. Yes, because you and that's even even with the botches, the the snags, the you know the sliding off the three ladders that were set up in a row with Hardy's foot getting stuck in in the ladder that Bubba Ray was pulling away. He managed to you know turn himself around and get himself in position, and Edge fucking timed it perfectly. And jumped off that ladder and speared him to the canvas, and it was fucking gorgeous. I was gonna say the timing by both Edge and Jeff was perfect. Absolutely. Um, nine times out of ten, I don't think it looks that good. No, there's. I think any, if you tried to do it again, it's not gonna. There come is out like an that. infinite number of ways that that could have been fucked. That, that could have gotten fucked up. Yeah, and even just the way it visually looked, it was perfect. Gorgeous, gorgeous. Uh, to me. That wasn't the most brutal looking spot in the match. That was the coolest spot in the match. Yeah. The most brutal spot in the match. Was it Bubba Ray and Christian going through the tables? It was Bubba Ray and Matt. Because if you remember, Christian and Edge. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. So Bubba and Matt are going up the ladder and they're trying to get the belts. And Rhino pushes the ladder over. And Bubba and Matt go flying from pretty much the top of the ladder to. Four fucking tables set up outside, two on top of two, and the tables explode. Gorgeous. Like, Matt and Bubba go through it, and I'm, like, legit concerned that they did. At such fucking speed. They they were falling so fast, because they didn't didn't just let themselves fall off the ladder. They fucking jumped. Yeah, it wasn't that slow, like, oh, I'm going to fall through a table. (laughs) They fucking pushed off those ladders. Yes, the velocity and the impact... Both shows not associated with WrestleMania um, <laughs> was intense to say the least, and I really thought Matt and Bubba were dead. I really did. How do you learn to fall off a twenty-foot ladder? And then Rhino uh, basically picks Christian up on his shoulders. I don't so remember like, Rhino teaming with Edge and Christian. Uh, there was a thing for happening. So the problem is that the Hardys had somebody in their corner. They had Lita, so then they needed the Dudleys. And Edge and Christian to have somebody in their corner, so the Dudleys got Spike, and then Edge and Christian made an association with Rhino. And apparently, Rhino beat the shit out of Lita like last week on Raw or something. Yeah, I think I think he caught her. <laughs> I probably um, I probably don't remember Rhino being with Edge and Christian because it would only last a couple of weeks until we got exactly. that awesome alliance. Um, hey. so for the second year in a row, Edge and Christian win the tag team titles. And, uh, fuck, dude. And, and everybody else in the match is dead. Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. Dead. Uh, Matt and Bubba are dead. Devon's not dead, but he's still down. <laughs> so, good on Edge and Christian. I think this sequence of matches really established them more than the Dudleys and the Hardys. 
Because what were Edge and Christian sure. before this? They sure. were they were the brood. You know what I mean? I think we we st- we still had because in in that backstage segment with Kurt Angle we had the you know the goofy glasses cool guys uh, kind of kind of gimmick that they were the you know the goofy gimmick that they were running. I'm not sure if we were at Kazoo theme songs at this point or not, but um, uh, if not, we were close. Yeah, very very close. But yeah, that so. I mean, not only their knack for putting on amazing matches, but obviously their personalities uh, got them over to no end. Um, for the benefit of those with flash photography. <laughs> and it, it's it's almost like, you know, we hear about a lot of times guys who come in and they have to go through a shit gimmick before they become anything good. And, you know, Austin had to go through it. You know, Rock was the blue chipper for a while. <laughs> um, Edge... And Christian as Gangrel's vampire buddies. I mean, dude, it was fucking awful. Yeah. And even before that, Edge was pretty much homeless, creepy guy <laughs> who's, who's, who's hiding in a train station. Yeah. You remember, you remember when they were brothers? For God knows how long. Yeah. Now they're not. Now they're best <laughs> friends. They're not brothers anymore. Now they're just best so friends. So I don't know what happened there. <laughs> um,. I was going to say, I, I have a feeling that even when Christian was fighting Del Rio for the title after Edge retired, he was like, I'm going to do this for my brother. <laughs> so then, uh, you know, the Astrodome has to come down a little bit after all that violence. They have to have a nice little laugh. And for some reason, we get, I still don't know why they booked this on this show, a gimmick battle royal. I think the I think some I think probably Vince went. It's on April first. It'll be this will be hilarious. That's kind of what I was thinking too, because it had nothing to do with the Hall of Fame. Because I remember in the lead up to this, everyone was going, "It's it's April first. That won't actually fucking happen. They won't have that. Won't that's not a thing. It's a joke." Yeah, it wasn't a fucking joke. Um, Jr. can't get over the fact that this is called a gimmick battle royal. I don't think he likes the fact that the curtain's been pulled back. <laughs> And we well, get... thankfully, thankfully, Jr. doesn't have to commentate it. So, <laughs> no, but he does introduce our commentators for the match, making his way to the ring at a extremely young looking ninety two years old. <laughs> it is Mean Gene Oakland, <laughs> and joining him, the legend himself. Bobby the Brain Heenan. Yes, the only reason to watch the gimmick Battle Royal. Bobby I was going to say, Heenan. actually, in my notes, the this was great only for Heenan, my, nothing else. My note, the note that I wrote literally says, Bobby the Brain Heenan, the only reason to watch the gimmick Battle Royal. Now, At something... one point, he calls Mean Gene Tony, <laughs> as, as in Tony Schiavone. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing. This uh, Bobby Heenan, because I looked it up, because this is something that I thought of while I was watching this. Bobby Heenan had not been in... WCW for a few months at this point for right, right. About eight months at this point because he had been he'd either quit or he'd been let go because he was upset at his diminished role in you know commentating and he was apparently getting into you know verbal altercations with Tony Schiavone they were having disagreements so Bobby just left Bobby left WCW a number of months before the buyout Mean Gene did not Mean Gene no. was there the entire fucking time no so Mean Gene was on the simulcast episode literally six days ago Mean Gene worked for WCW <laughs> uh, you are correct Bobby the Brain Heenan in his book and recently after Bob- his passing Bobby the Heen Brain yeah 
<laughs> discussed the fact that uh, he went home. He went home about eight months yeah. before WCW was bought. They were still paying him, but he was like, I'm not coming back. I'm just going to sit out my contract at home. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the first thing he says when he gets on the mic, the first thing he said was actually cut off. If you, I don't know if you noticed the very blatant uh, missing audio was because Bobby Heenan had said, and I found this out on Daily Motion, it's so great to be back in the WWF. And for God knows whatever reason, the network still doesn't allow anybody to say WWF loudly. It's, so uh, I, I I was just watching something. I was just listening to something about this. It's uh, apparently it's a context thing. It's how they say it or how you know, exactly what they're referring to it depends on whether or not they can say the F or not. Um, I guess in this case, they just decided to fuck the whole comment. But yeah, it's still. Can you imagine being the guy? who has to go back through all this footage, all of these episodes of Raw, all these all these pay-per-views, everything, and go, is that, is that, is that, is, do I have to bleep that one? Is that an okay use of the F? Is it, you know? There is I, literally, there, literally going to be a guy at Titan Tower who is, who's in charge of going through this footage and getting the F out. <laughs> I had talked about this with Henry on the uh, episode of the rap of the that I was on, and we actually thought that if they said it emphatically, WWF, that it would be off the off the network. Um, what you're saying makes more sense, but also makes the job that much more difficult. Right. Right. Uh, because I just thought, like, if if somebody just mumbled it or said it, you know, very quickly, hey, in the WWF, then maybe they just let it go. But if you're saying it's a context thing, mm-hmm. that requires a lot more work i mean it could very again i listen to so many goddamn podcasts it could very be very well be your com your conversation with henry that i'm thinking of but i mean it's because i have noticed i've noticed it in 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 episodes of nitro where where bischoff will will say it uh bobby heenan said it accidentally once uh but i've also (laughs) noticed in in you know old episodes of raw you can say they have no issue obviously saying world wrestling federation you can say world wrestling federation but sometimes, sometimes they allow the WWF, and sometimes they bleep the WWF. Or my personal favorite, when they just bleep the F. So you get Gorilla Monsoon going for the WW title. Do you remember before they launched the network? A good few years before they launched the network, maybe 2008. Uh, there used to be a section on demand called WWE 24/7. Yeah, I never subscribed to, to Classics on Demand, but I am. I, I wanted to, but I never. I never did. So I did um, because I was a mark. I still am. And it was so bad back then because I yeah. think a lot of things were, were not even settled yet yeah. that every WWF logo was blown up. Oh, yeah. Up I remember, everywhere. I, I, I remember you know, watching, watching Raw and they would show all the you – know, any, kind of, any kind of replay from back then. The, the entire Scratch logo would have to be blurred out. Or, so the Scratch logo was blurred out. Or the my turnbuckles per- were blurred out. <laughs> well, the, the scratch logo on the turnbuckles. Oh, my personal favorite when they would show like the old school Titantron when that when it was not the first version where it was just the curtain, but the second version where they had the placard in the back with the WBF scratch logo on it, and they would just kind of put a little blurred dot over the two lines of the F on the edge. <laughs> uh, here's what got me is, is at one point I remember I was but, watching classics. Yeah, I, and I, sp- I specifically remember the first time. It, you know, after this thing must have been settled, the first time watching 
an episode of Raw and they showed old footage and it wasn't blurred out. And I went, hey, <laughs> hey. wait a minute. Uh, no, the, the, the one that k- kills me is it was an old Warrior interview where they start the interview focusing on the Intercontinental title. <laughs> and then like pan out. So there's just a blurry circle I never, right where the WWF logo is. I never is. understood why they why they would have to blur the block logo. Never understood <laughs> it, that. It confused the shit far, out of me. As far as I'm aware, the whole shitstorm between the World Wrestling Federation and the Worldwide Fund for Nature came about because WWF changed from the block logo to the square to the scratch logo without consulting them and that got them all pissy because confusing confusion of trademarks and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I never understood why they ever would have had to block out the the, the, the block logo on anything, which was know. always confusing when you go and show when they do those pictorials on WB.com for every once in a while with here's some today, some of today's superstars with some of yesterday's titles. And it's literally there's just a blank space on the belt where the <laughs> where the block logo would be. And I'm like, no, come on. Yeah, it did make sense to me. I think that at different points in the lawsuit, they just didn't want, you know. To, yeah. to add and over, fuel to the fire, an abundance so. of caution. Uh, exactly. Um, so the battle, the gimmick battle royal. Let's talk about real quick who was in it. We had um, the Iron Sheik, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had Brother Love, mm-hmm. which I think is funny because Pritchard, by his own admission, was running Gorilla at this point. So did he have to leave Gorilla? And get in his brother love costume. I'm just picturing him doing the entire show as brother as brother love. love. Yeah. Hey, hey, Taker, you're on in five. Shut up, brother love. <laughs> uh, we had Jim Cornette for some reason, who Jim was never Cornette. a wrestler. If you if you go back and watch the photo shoot episode on the network of, mm-hmm. with Jim Cornette, he actually talks about this because they show a photo from the from the, the gimmick battle royal. The only reason he is in that gimmick battle royal is because Bruce Pritchard went to him and said, I'm doing brother love in this thing. I think it would be hilarious if you were in it and we just went out there and beat the crap out of each other. And so James <laughs> e, and so Jim Cornette was like, yeah, fuck. All right. Why not? That's great. Um, doink, not Jericho, but actually Matt Bourne. Yeah. A bald Duke the Dumpster Drozzy, recent follower of Adam on his Twitter. No, nope, we're friends on Facebook. Oh, even mm-hmm. better. Yeah. Uh, Earthquake was there. Earthquake not looking terrible. Mm. Looking like he had a few more matches in him. Yeah. Uh, the Gobbledygooker. But can we just, for one second, they, during the Gobbledygooker's entrance, they show they go back to the 91 Survivor Series. Mm-hmm. And fuck, the 91 costume looked a lot better than the 2001 costume. Yeah, the somehow, 2001 costume looked like it, they just kind of pulled it out of the closet. Somehow, somehow, somehow in 10 years, the Gooker evolved and, and lost his feathers <laughs> and grew fur. <laughs> yes, that is, a, that is a valid point. Uh, we also had the Goon, which I thought was the funny goon. because how many TV appearances did the Goon actually have? Four? Let me tell you about the Goon. I was, uh, for an episode of, of Nitromania, I was going through the episode of Raw and writing the notes, and I came, and they came back from break, and I wrote in my notes, they come back from break, and for some reason the, 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 the organ player for, at the arena is playing the, and then I went, and then it was the goon, and I'm like, no, wait, that's the goon's fucking theme song. <laughs> the goon's fucking theme song is, dun, dun, 
Michael Freebird Hayes, another guy who was uh, part of the office at this point. Not, not Michael P.S. Hayes, mind you. Michael Freebird Hayes. Right. Hillbilly Jim, actually a huge pop for Hillbilly Jim. Looking good, man. Hill, Hillbilly Jim looked good. Like Looked like he could still go. Yep. Kamala, Kimchi, uh, somebody who looked like they definitely couldn't go. One man gang. <laughs> <laughs> also looking like he couldn't go. Repo Man. <laughs> Fuck you, Repo Man's always awesome. Sergeant Slaughter, Tugboat, and Nikolai Volkov. <laughs> did, Everybody... did, did, you happen, did, did you happen to notice Nikolai Volkov's nameplate? I did not. They spelled his fucking name wrong. <laughs> not not really surprised. <laughs> they, they put a C in Nikolai. N-I-C-K-O-L-A-I. Oh, <laughs> I looked at that, I went, are you fucking kidding me <laughs> they spelled nikolai volkov's name wrong that's great <laughs> um so explain this to me okay so everybody gets eliminated within like 45 okay. seconds okay. not even gene 20? gene makes a comment at the very end like towards the very end when there's like three people left he goes oh i don't remember a battle royal where people got eliminated this quickly so i went back and i went back to the beginning I watched it again. The match, the bell rang, as best as I could tell from the little time bar at the bottom of the screen. The bell rang to start the match at 2 hours, 27 minutes, 23 seconds. Yep. When would you guess the bell rang to end the match? Let's see. You said, we said 2 hours, 27 minutes. 2, 27, 23 to start the match. Oh, then I would say it ended, the bell rang to end it at 2 hours, 30 minutes, and 30 seconds. Two hours, 30 minutes, 26 seconds. The 18-man ah. battle royal, three <laughs> minutes long. <laughs> um, yeah, not only was the 18-man battle royal three minutes long, but the Iron Sheik won, which actually got a pop from the crowd. <laughs> but USA number one, so Sergeant Slaughter then takes him out right. post-match, and they play Slaughter's music to end yep. the segment. Why? <laughs> why? Why the fuck did you need that part? Because my, my everybody knows, everybody's heard the story that, uh, that the Iron Sheik only won the gimmick battle royal because if he had been thrown over the top rope and hit the floor, his legs would have fallen the fuck off. So, <laughs> my guess... My guess is that the original plan was for Slaughter to win the Battle Royal, but then Iron Sheik went, no, Bubba, I will die. And so they went, fuck it, we'll just have Slaughter beat you up then. Uh, perfect. Uh, now, so, you went back on, you said you went back on Daily Motion and whatnot. I also went back because the, the end of this, when they, when Gene is, when Bobby Heenan is doing that, amazing thing where he refuses to shake gene's hand yeah but he looks like he's gonna shake it but then he yeah, doesn't shake it, it but then he yeah there's such an awkward and abrupt cut there that i thought that they had cut something out okay and as far as i can tell they didn't which is just so bizarre because all of a sudden it just like gene is gene says whatever the fuck i don't remember what the last line is that gene says and it just rapidly fades to black and now JR's talking about Triple H versus The Undertaker. It was so 
completely it was so just awkward but going back and watching these these old episodes i did notice that they actually did dub over gino's theme song because gene uh, apparently they don't have the rights to tutti frutti for the wwe network because gene came out to to little richard tutti frutti not the mean gene singing tutti frutti but the actual version of tutti frutti i i did notice that too you are correct because um yeah, I kind of I kind of picked that up when I went back and watched the, the beginning on Daily Motion just yeah. to hear Heenan's comment. But when I started the video, you're right; it was too. Yeah, I didn't even I didn't even notice Heenan's comment. I was going specifically for that ending because it is such an abrupt fucking cut. <laughs> We're over time. <laughs> Shut up, Gene. <laughs> Shut up, Gene. Just talk, Jr. Um, we'll go to the package. Well, it, it was. The semi semi main, I guess you would that. call it. Sure. I mean, it's weird because both guys at this point could have been in the title match had it not been Rock and Austin. Yeah. Also, I uh, like that you're you're confused about whether or not it's the semi main when it is the match before the main event. <laughs> no, it's it's not that I'm confused. It's that you could argue that this was you know how they used to promote the double main event you could easily say this was you know the first half of our double main event we got three big main events at wrestlemania 16 we got the rock versus austin we got triple h versus the undertaker we got the gimmick battle royal (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure that's exactly what the what it said in the back too uh by the way just could we just talk about the tagline for wrestlemania x7 here houston we have a problem come on that's hack. You know, Come on, You know Vince. that's not even, like, the real line in the movie? That's fucking hack. <laughs> like, Mandela Infect and all, if you go back and actually watch that movie, it's not exactly what they say. <laughs> Mama said life like, is like a box of chocolate. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, Houston, we have a problem. No, no, we, we don't. We have a WrestleMania, but I wouldn't call it a problem. Houston, and notice how they Houston, don't promote. Houston, we have a Linda Bot. Yeah. Notice how they don't promote that tagline. Like where other Ever. WrestleManias, they shove it down your throat like a McMahon in every corner. Uh, they don't say shit. Where it all about... begins again. <laughs> they don't say shit about a Houston. We have a problem. It was on the poster, and that was it. They were like, "Nope, we're not going to talk about it." WrestleMania 19. Watch a guy almost die. You'll get that. Oh, you oh you meant Brock. I didn't know. <laughs> it took me a minute. I was gonna say Vince and Hogan? What? No. Um was that WrestleMania nineteen or was that WrestleMania X nine? Was it actually X nine? No, nineteen was nineteen. It was X seven, X eight, nineteen, X I X. X seven, X eight, nineteen. so our and next then, match and then they stopped they stopped doing the the Roman numerals when we got to twenty one. And then Whoa. they stopped doing numbers when we got to thirty. So because Vince felt that numbers made it seem it makes old. makes it seem old. Well, guess what, Don't Vince? call it the granddaddy. It fucking is old, number one. Number two, when you get to 50, I guarantee you, you will market the shit out of 50. WrestleMania XL. So. Or is that 40? That that would be 40. 40. It's just L. If they don't, <laughs> if they don't market the. I, I got mad when they didn't market the shit out of Super Bowl XL. It's fucking XL. It's right fucking there. That's a good point. Um, so, grapefruits. Sorry. Our, our next match: The Undertaker versus Triple H. Now, in the video package, just it, in case you 
didn't have enough limp biscuit in your WrestleMania. Yeah. Oh, well, we'll get to that in a second. But surprisingly, uh, Triple H actually has a valid point at the start of this uh, of this video package. He says he's beaten everybody, and not a month before, he did beat Austin in the three stages of Hell match. Mm-hmm. So why isn't Triple H in the fucking main event at WrestleMania? Because he didn't win the Royal Rumble. Uh, I know, but he... See, and I don't agree with that either. If somebody wins the Royal Rumble, they should not lose at the pay-per-view in between. Just saying. So, Triple H says he's beaten everybody. Undertaker comes out and says, you haven't beaten me. Unfortunately, this is that weird period where it's not the dead man. Booger Red. It's literally Booger Red because his... my yard. (laughs) Everything is his yard. Everything is I'll make you I'll make you famous. I was honestly surprised that Roland made the network cut that they didn't replace it with the uh, always kick an asshole's ass song. Well, that's what we were gonna get to, but I wanna I wanna quickly just talk about in the video package. Uh, Undertaker decides to maneuver his way into a match with Triple H by having Kane kidnap Stephanie. And threaten and, to throw her off a balcony. And then having Kane stand on a balcony and hold her up in a gorilla press slam and threaten to throw her down unless Regal gave him his match with Triple H at WrestleMania. I, I love that, though, that even just the replay of that where Regal is going, put her down, man, put her down. And Taker goes, all right, you want her down? Hey, Kane, no, 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 no. <laughs> that was great. Um... <laughs> that whole thing, they, they did some... They, they, I, Overall, it was kind of dumb. They were, they were doing some kind of dumb stuff in there, but the, they did a couple of really smart things. I thought that was funny, and also the Stephanie gets a uh, uh, fucking restraining order against the Undertaker so that he can't come to the ring when Triple H is fighting. So uh, Taker sends Kane out there to chase Stephanie off so he can go to the ring and beat the shit out of Triple H. That was pretty. That's good. genius. All right, that is genius. You know what's not genius, or at least what didn't come off as genius, is when Triple H destroyed the undertaker's <laughs> motorcycle by hitting it once on the seat with the sledgehammer and then kind of rolling it slowly off the stage. So you're saying Sonny Ono at uh, Hogwild is what we're talking about here? <laughs> it was not destroyed. Hashtag it, Metromania? It, it didn't even look scratched, <laughs> to be honest. So did, did, did you watch Hogwild when we did the Hogwild episode? Fuck no. Okay, it is the t- and I and I and I usually do go back, but I wasn't going back for Hogwild. Uh, Sonny Ono hitting Medusa's Harley with that hammer is the dumbest looking fucking thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Worse than this? Uh, yes, because he literally because you see you know Sonny Ono, he's yeah, this I tiny know. Japanese man with this sledgehammer that probably weighs half what he does, and he kind of swings it, and it literally it literally literally, and I'm using the word literally, literally, it just bounces off the seat <laughs> and the the announcers freak out he's destroying the butt he barely fucking touched the, the bounced and didn't fucking all right sonny ono anyway <laughs> back to the actual motorcyclist the the bike that gets destroyed it's, it's a famous stable in wrestling the bike that gets destroyed but it's it's a nice bike so we're not actually going to destroy it <laughs> um no, because if a small if a small Japanese man had destroyed a Harley Davidson in front of in front of oh they 20, would have twenty five hundred twenty five hundred bikers at a rally you would have had a goddamn riot on your hands yeah. Yeah, no I'm more pay per view and I remember you were talking about that on the episode <laughs> and I'm glad he did not actually do it 
because that would have infuriated that crowd to no end. A uh, a manager with big uh, professional wrestling company, World Championship Wrestling, was murdered today. Yeah. Um. So Undertaker had to have Kane kidnap Stephanie in order to get his match with Triple H. <laughs> Meanwhile, seventeen years later, we're just gonna get this match for free. <laughs> 17 fucking years later. And by the way, Triple H and Undertaker, Triple H and Undertaker, not rookies at this point in 2001 when they fought each other. They had both been in the business for pretty much seven or eight years. Also, I like that this is the match that was completely ignored in the build up to WrestleMania 28. Seven, seven, Yes, so that's the other thing. For those who are not aware. Triple H and The Undertaker fought at WrestleMania three times, the first being tonight. However, when Triple H fought The Undertaker at WrestleMania 27, you would never know (laughs) that they fought three times because they refused to talk about this match. Mm -hmm. Even though Triple H is one of the names when they go through the... (laughs) The fucking casket. The the casket. So... (laughs) Mm Looking forward to Super Showdown. I guess that's what I'm saying. So, this yeah, is the too. first famous encounter, and I'm because o- it's I'm okay with thing. I'm okay with Triple H versus Undertaker one last time if it if it gives us Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels again. I'm perfectly okay with that. Anyway, it's funny because uh, your your co-host or your former co-host Jason was even though an unabashed Shawn Michaels fan was not happy at the thought of Michaels coming out of retirement to fight The Undertaker. Yeah. Um, probably because he doesn't like The Undertaker. But, or at least the gimmick. Where but, to, Stephanie? Yeah. Uh, I don't. I, I would totally watch an Undertaker versus Shawn match in 2018. Fucking kidding me? Um, would I watch it in 19? In 2019? I don't know. Well, you're gonna because it's gonna be at WrestleMania 36. That's what I said. I said it's gonna be at WrestleMania in New York and and. Guess what? It's going to be probably one of the featured matches. Uh, to which Jason asked me if that meant that Sean was going to sit in the crowd and wait for Undertaker. <laughs> <laughs> and then in the middle of the women's match, he's just going to jump up and run backstage. <laughs> um, but nevertheless, we will see what happens in Saudi Arabia when we get there. I'm sorry, in Australia when we get there. Yeah, you can tell that you can tell that Triple H has pull. I mean, Cena begged for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, and then had to buy a ticket to the show, and then wasn't even sure at the show if he was going to fight. Meanwhile, they announced the show in, in Australia, and Triple H goes, "I'm fighting the Undertaker," and the Undertaker's like, "Okay, <laughs> yeah, Love. you are. I am because I'm the game. You're the, <laughs> you're the boss hunter. Hunter, it's your company now. Somewhere, Vince is like, it's not his company." Uh, I'm just picturing the Undertaker just following Vince around. Soon, <laughs> I'm coming for you soon. It's one of these years, Vince. One of these years. Um, oh, no, he's standing outside my office. Do you want to know what's the death nail and a dead giveaway to anybody who's about to lose a match at WrestleMania? <laughs> Anyone have have a, a musical act perform their ring music. Let's play a game. Speaking of this, <laughs> let's play a game called How Drunk is Lemmy? Uh, Extremely. Based... <laughs> yeah, but considering that none of those are the actual lyrics to the song, I'm going to guess very. I'm going to guess very, Not only are none of those the lyrics to the song, but Lemmy starts the night by saying, Lemmy, <laughs> yeah, 
we're gonna kick your ass. <laughs> um, I'm fighting. Let me. You're not. You're not fighting tonight. Shut up. I know what I'm doing. Bow down to me. <laughs> but seriously, anybody who's ever gotten their music played or their entrance theme played live has lost. Good Historically, enough. at WrestleMania, Bray Wyatt lost. Oh, that was such a fucking great entrance, though. Holy that shit. That was such a fucking great. CM Punk lost. Uh, <laughs> spoiler, Triple H is about to lose here. What? Streak? What? <laughs> Uh, which is interesting, by the way, because they do discuss, for the first time that I can see in my timeline, JR mentions that yeah, The Undertaker actually, I was actually going to ask you that, because I, I wrote that in my notes. At which point did they notice the streak? Because you've, you know, you've been going back and watching these. You're saying this is when they actually went, hey, wait a minute. This is when they first noticed it, and it makes sense, because he wasn't at 2000, and at 15... They didn't have a chance to mention the streak because he was putting the boss man a noose and hanging him from the top of hell in a cell. <laughs> so if you go back to before that, then we're talking Kane at 14. Yeah, maybe, maybe during the Kane match, they might have thrown around that, you know, Taker's, uh, you know, 7 and 0 or something like that, something stupid, or, or he's, he's, you know, Unbeaten at WrestleMania, but I really don't remember them doing it during the Kane match. I really don't. Nice. So I feel like this is the first time it's actually acknowledged as a streak. Mm. Um, and then from here, I think you know it becomes the story, right? Pretty much every year. You could argue that it wasn't the story for Flair or for Kane in the next coming years, but it definitely gets brought up a lot. Uh, but which. Which WrestleMania is the casket match with Mark Henry? Oh, that's like 24. <laughs> Fuck or 23. One of, 23 or 24. I always get the one where you fought Batista and that one mixed up. So fucking terrible. <laughs> so I'm, I'm waiting with bated breath for, for the Undertaker's crappy um, Biker Taker theme song. And instead we get Roland, yeah. which to me means one of two things. Similar to why we still can hear Cult of Personality on the network, that Taker bought the rights to use it whenever the fuck he wants. Like he actually purchased it from Limp Bizkit. Or Limp Bizkit are so dumb <laughs> that they signed an agreement that said, anytime I want to use this music and profit off of it, I can and you can't sue me. And they were like, yeah, sure, sign it. My thought was that they, since they had to pay Limp Biscuit for the theme song to the pay-per-view, that they just threw in Roland as well. Um, somebody should check that out. I'm not going to, but like, now watch the the next episode of Raw or SmackDown or another pay-per-view, like Backlash, when the Undertaker shows up and see if it's still Roland on the network or if it's the if it's the uh, Dead Man Walking song. Well, that being said, I'm pretty sure that I watched a recent or, you know, in this time frame episode before Roland became his theme song when he was using the Kid Rock song. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure they dubbed it over. Mm -hmm. So I just it's weird, man. Like, I guess it just depends on the agreement they have with the artists, because sometimes right. you not dub that shit over enough. And, and it doesn't even matter like how long ago it was, because they weren't playing girls just want to have fun 
the Cindy Lauper when she came out at WrestleMania one. Right. They they were literally playing generic music number five, mm-hmm. um, which kind of took away from the moment. Also, Hogan came out to Eye of the Tiger at WrestleMania one. Nope, didn't play that either. No, I talked about in uh, actually the episode of Nitro Mania that's uh, supposed to come out Tuesday if I can get it finished, but the. Uh, the one that I recorded just before we started doing this, as uh, I have a note there about uh, some dubbed music there. So, son of a bitch, you know what? I just remembered something, and I'm I'm not sure you're gonna like it. So, one of the best things about Heel Hogan in WCW is his Voodoo Child theme song. Yeah, and you will not get that. <laughs> I not promise you that. Not surprised. No, but very disappointing. Um, because how? He, you know what? I'm interested when you go through your timeline how they're going to cover up that because he literally chops his hand at the camera at different <laughs> points. So good luck covering that up. Some yeah. guy in the fucking truck at the, at, at the network is going to be like, oh, shit. How the fuck am I going to do now? Yeah, let's, um, probably, let's play the regular NWA theme song probably. Yeah, but it doesn't have the – never mind. So When does that ever matter? <laughs> Taker comes out. I'm not paying for it. <laughs> just because it's WCW. Uh, Taker comes out, and I never understood this. I never understood this, and I never fucking liked it, even back then. He rides his bike down to the ring. He then rides around the ring. Uh-huh. And then almost looks like he's going to then leave the arena as he faces the bike to the uh, back to the entranceway and then parks it there, I guess, mm-hmm. and gets off the bike. I'm like... What? Why do you have to do the lap around the ring? Why can't you just fucking roll down to the ring and park? Because if he doesn't do the lap around the ring, then after the match, he has to turn his bike around <laughs> in order to leave. I'm sure a stagehand could do that for him during the match. That wouldn't be distracting at all. <laughs> it's just a motorcycle going around the ring. All right, fine, valid point. But it just, I don't know, it just bothered me. I was like, well, somebody needs to hit him while he's on the bike. Like a heat, you know what I mean? Somebody like a Triple H. Speaking of that, though, we, of course, get the shot. You know, we get the shots of Taker going around the ring and everything. And I laughed out loud at the replacement Spanish announce table. (laughs) Because Shane went through the Spanish table. And, you know, nowadays, they'll just take that prefab and they'll just stick it back together where it's you know put the dowels where they're supposed to go and put the pieces back together no not 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 in 2001 they just get this generic blank wooden table that they've just placed the monitors on top of now see that's funny because you say it's a generic blank wooden table where i say it's what they used to use for WrestleMania, because... They don't even put the cover on They don't even put, it like, a tablecloth on it. The blue cover. It's just no. a fucking table just I'm sitting there you, with the monitors on top of it. At WrestleMania 10, uh, Lawler and Vince are commentating from a wooden table mm-hmm. with no cover on it. Yeah, it just made me laugh. It's like, nah, we're not going to fucking put... The, here, have this. This is fine. And I think somebody did go through the table yes, that night, so maybe yes. that's why they, they the, decided not to put the cover on it. But in, in the main, <laughs> in the main event, it's just it's still they still just fucking sitting there, just the broken now plain broken wooden table next to the yeah. But I think that's the same thing they did at WrestleMania 10. I think that somebody went through it, but it, and then they just had a broken wooden table there. Yeah. But you know, no need for a tablecloth, I guess. <laughs> so. 
The match was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of brawling, obviously, you expect yeah. it from these two. Uh, but here's what I, I, I honestly didn't like this then. I can't say I liked it now. So, Kyoto, and this is Kyoto. This is blatantly This is Kyoto. definitely Kyoto, yeah. <laughs> we're about, I know we're, I know what you're about to talk about, and I remember, and I actually have it in my notes because I when it when Kyoto got knocked out and they headed they wrote they went into the crowd. I wrote in all capital letters with three four exclamation points. I forgot this spot was in this match. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Kyoto uh, makes about? a count, and uh, when Undertaker's covering Triple H, and Triple H kicks out two and a half. Undertaker takes exception to this and decides to drop an elbow on the back of Kyoto's head. And then Kyoto decides to take a nap. Yeah. Like, you remember a couple of years ago at the Royal Rumble where they were like Roman Rain sleeping? sleeping. <laughs> yeah. Literally, Mike Kyoto decides to go to sleep for about, I would say, 15 minutes. Easiest payday Kyoto's ever had. Because he doesn't move. He, he's, sit, he's laying there on his stomach, motionless, while Taker and Triple H fight all the way all all over the arena, including some weird section that seems set up just for this match so that Undertaker can choke slam Triple H off of it. I'm sure it was. You know what the I just sound thought area, you know, I guess. You know what I just thought of that? I think it was supposed to be like a camera stanchion or a lighting stanchion. But you know what I just thought of that just made me laugh uh when you talk about Mike Kyoto getting beat up is the old Sega Genesis uh Raw and Royal Rumble games. When you would, when you could punch the referee and the referee would make that noise that that noise when you would beat up and I just I just thought of that when uh, Undertaker elbow dropped Mike Kyoto and it made me laugh. Have, have you have you ever, do you uh, do you listen to uh, the the new Blood Rising I podcast? Do. I do. Okay, so on a recent episode, they I reference about I that. reference El Gigante in uh, in the uh, Patreon exclusive series that I'm coming out with. So um, at a, on a recent episode, they talked about that, and I actually tweeted at them for it, and they retweeted me. So uh, that noise the ref makes when you knock him down. Mm. <laughs> like, yes, you could stand there and punch him in the head in the old Royal Rumble game, but if you actually run into him, he goes, <laughs> <laughs> And that's exactly what Kyoto did. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the best fucking noise <laughs> in the world. For anybody who's who's never played the original Royal Rumble game, just go and YouTube uh, WWF Royal Rumble uh, ref knockdown. And I <clears throat> swear to God, when you hear the noise, you will laugh your dick off. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying not to just break down laughing here because I don't want you to have to do too much editing. But fuck, <laughs> that just makes me laugh so fucking hard. Um, also, <laughs> in the crowd, we had two separate signs fairly fairly close to each other that both said hhh is gay it was a different time as henry hugefex would say <laughs> uh triple h almost gets the win at, to, on this night which i thought would have been interesting because you would have never had a streak if right. he actually did get the win um taker goes to nail him with the last ride Triple H picks up the sledgehammer while he's going up and then cracks Undertaker on top of the skull with it. And unfortunately, they used a gimmick sledgehammer. Yes, I have in my notes, that <laughs> is not a real sledgehammer. And here's the problem. First time they ever used a gimmick sledgehammer, probably shouldn't have yeah. because it fucked up and the stake went right through the gimmick part and pretty much impaled <laughs> Taker at the top of the head. 
Yeah, which was... is why he was like instantly a bloody mess. Yeah. Speaking of watching, speaking of watching pay per views at good time, there was one, uh, one of the ones where he used the where he used the foam hammer as we used to call it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and Henry picked up on it. I completely missed it, and I've always wanted to try and figure out which pay per view it was so I could go back and try and find it again. But there is a point where Hunter gets the sledgehammer from its home behind the stairs. And he goes to get in the ring, and he puts the the hammer on the mat, and he pushes up to get in the ring, and the head of the hammer just goes squash, just squishes into the mat. And you go, wait a minute. I have not seen that. If that is a gift, I, somebody I please don't, send it to me. I don't remember which pay-per-view it was, and I've always wanted to find that again, because I remember him pointing it out to me when we when it happened, and we were there, and I was like, oh, I fucking missed it. I can't even begin to imagine what that visual must have been like. So here comes Triple H, Mr. Tr- you know, fucking badass, and then the sledgehammer just goes all foam. It's like, what? <laughs> hey, that's not a real sledgehammer. You know what? Now I'm going to go back and watch Bludgeon Brothers matches to see if, if you can notice it there, too. That. <laughs> so... <laughs> Now, this is also a classic spot, because not only does... Okay, so first of all, Hyota magically wakes up from his slumber at this exact moment. <laughs> and and this, and everybody thinks Triple H is going to win, and Taker kicks out. And Triple H throws an Alexa Bliss-level bitch fit. <laughs> like, like, just pounding his fists on the mat. Like, I literally thought he was going to go full Jericho and start, like, kicking his legs out and shit. He then does the smart thing of backing Taker up into the corner and mount and and mounting it and and punching him in the head because that's a good idea. Yep, and that always works so well in an Undertaker match because what does Taker do? He walks out of the corner with Triple H in that position and gives him the last ride. A classic last ride setup that. Everyone was dumb enough to fall for. Yeah, I was going to say that they used about 95 times. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised they didn't use... Actually, did they use it with Roman? <laughs> they might have used it with Roman at 33. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, didn't get the win, but still, I think Roman actually fell for it. Yeah. But let's so go back Let's let's go back briefly to that to that lighting stanchion. Yes. Because as I, as I wrote, as I said in my notes, I wrote in all capital letters, I forgot this spot was in this match, and I literally... My my wife was like, I want to take a shower. I'm like, you need to sit and watch this. And then it happened. And it, it was so much less than I remember because, and I don't know how I didn't, I don't know how I don't remember this from 2001 because I remember in 2001 this being like, oh my God, I'm fucking dead. But they show, they then show a replay of the choke slam off the lighting stanchion from the other side. And mm-hmm. you can see both that it's really only like eight feet off the ground. It's not that big. It's not mm-hmm. like fucking Hell in a Cell. And also, padding. So much fucking padding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so unfortunately I did notice this. So the very first time you see uh, Undertaker chokeslam Triple H off of the uh, lighting area onto the floor, you don't see where Triple H lands. Right. All you see is that Triple H has disappeared and the crowd goes nuts. Right. So it just looks like he literally chokeslammed him to hell. However, however, 
your your enjoyment of this is instantly ruined because the replay shows the camera from a different angle and shows the Triple H fell mm, about eight feet and onto padding. A lot of padding. So much foam. <laughs> so much padding. Uh, that killed it for me. That's why I didn't even bother really talk about because I'm like, oh yeah, remember when he choke slammed him onto the padding? <laughs> Almost as bad, almost as bad as the the Shane McMahon Hell in a Cell spot uh, with Kevin Owens that you mentioned earlier, where they give us the wide shot and you can see the fucking airbag puff out from under the table when Shane lands. I was gonna say uh, Shane McMahon with ultra big balls on this night because he hit that elbow without padding under the announce table <laughs> yeah. in two thousand one, as opposed to these days. Yeah, there's always. There's always that one moment where you see someone do something huge. Some, most of the time, like Shane McMahon climbing up the Titantron and jumping off, and then, you, and then you go, oh, and then it's a fucking pole vault mat down at the bottom, and it goes, poof, and you're like, oh. Okay, <laughs> or sometimes you get the unexpected real life moment where something legit happens. I think it was with uh, Owen Hart. No, 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 no. Braun, Braun, and Big Show when they broke the ring. And whoever the referee was that night went, like, head over T-Gas. I, like, did four flips and landed on his his fucking ass out of the ring. That poor ref, who was not expecting the ring to implode in that fashion. Or at least wasn't standing in the right place when it did happen. Right. Um, What did you think of this match overall, though? I liked it. I did, too. Yeah. I guess it was Uh, a bit... The the referee situation takes a bit off, but not enough to take away any enjoyment of the match itself. It was a fucking brutal match. They just two guys just going out there and beating the ever loving crap out of each other. My 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 only issue with this is because you had to uh, get to that spot where he choke slams him off the scaffold thing, uh, and you didn't want to make it a no DQ match because as we would find out the main event's going to be an ODQ match. Right. You had to have a logical way for uh, Kyoto not to count them out. Right. But to have Kyoto just lie there for, like, what seems like 20 minutes, I just, I don't agree with that. I'd, I'd much rather prefer you do a spot where he gets, like, help to the back or something. But, you know... <laughs> It was definitely a good match. It's one thing is very, very uh, jarring is Triple H's <clears throat> body transformation from WrestleMania 15 to now. Like you obviously saw it a little bit last year at mm-hmm. WrestleMania 2000, mm-hmm. but I feel like even more so this year, he just—it looks like he's just ballooned <sighs> up. Like he's vascular. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's all about you think, the roids and when you, you stick them. Yeah. <laughs> when you think about the DX Triple H, he was nowhere near this size. Yeah. Uh, I can't see. What, oh, is that the Royal Rumble? Bow, the, bow, bow, bow. <laughs> no audio, though? No, that was just the picture that you posted on Twitter. Oh, okay. I love that fucking picture. <laughs> so, what? <laughs> um, it's almost like, you know what? If you stand there in that game and you I, punch a ref in the head, it's like punching Lex Luger <laughs> in WCW. Wah! Yeah, 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 yeah. I enjoy that, that once again I have completely derailed you with something something entertaining from history. 
from wrestling history. You're good at that, but that's why I have you on the show. I like it. Um, we go to our main event, but first mm-hmm. we go to our hype video for our main event. One of the better hype videos, you may not like the song, you may not like the band, but I always thought one of the best hype videos. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's got the word shit in it without a bleep. <laughs> it it more does. Than, more than once. Um, you see a highlight package explaining somewhat why Vince decided to make Deborah the Rock's manager, I guess. Uh, I never, I'm kind of glad they dropped that by tonight because that storyline never really made sense. Yeah. Uh, I but, forgot. I forgot going into this that this was face on face. Yes, that was the thing I was uh, most uh, noticeable to me with the video is that both Rock and Austin, at this point, at the height of their popularity, the two most over guys in the business, uh, both of them. In the promo, in the video package, are playing the face role, and it's great. I mean, you could argue that maybe, maybe you could tell that Austin was was turning because of certain things that he said, when he was like, um, "I need to beat you, Rock. I need to beat you more than you'll ever know." Maybe that's a hint that he yeah. was going to turn. I have, I, I, I made some comments in my notes about uh, about that, about that kind of the psychology of of what Austin does in the match. But I will say this, it was it was never in your mind did you actually think it was gonna happen because they were in the heart of Texas. Yeah. And I actually made a note about that. I felt I feel like the the heel turn would have uh had a lot bigger impact if they hadn't been in Stone Cold Country. Well, Austin's gone on to say that on his podcast that not only does he think he, you know, if he could have done it over, he never would have turned heel that night because it, it was just more money. The crowd wasn't ready for him to be a heel. Yeah. But it didn't help that they were in Texas where right. nothing, he, he could probably literally whip it out and piss on Vince McMahon and the crowd <laughs> would cheer ridiculously. Well, obviously. But I think but, he'd piss on the rock, but... <laughs> um. And I and, and it was very apparent when you when this match first started because you hear the glass shatter and the crowd loses their shit. Mm-hmm. By like, the way, absolutely explodes. That fucking disturbed that fucking disturbed theme song always amazing. Oh, I love that song. I I you know for those who are unaware, they they redid a lot of the classic theme songs in the Attitude Era with like real bands actually playing their theme. Some of them better than others, but the Austin one covered by Disturbed was always amazing. That was my alarm clock in college. <laughs> in college, I went to literally where we went to college. There was a Best Buy down the street. I went to Best Buy and I bought a a, a clock radio that had a CD player, and you could select. You put a CD in, and you could select the track that would be your alarm that would go off when the alarm went off. And I woke up in college to fucking Disturbed. The fucking Stone Cold Steve Austin theme song, and goddamn, it's a very good alarm. Yes, that—that I mean, that's probably the perfect alarm because it's definitely going to get you out of bed. Now, Austin comes out to a huge reaction. Then you hear the Rock's music, and I don't want to say 
he gets a Roman Reigns reaction. But it was close. It was definitely mixed. Maybe Cena-ish. Let's just say there was not as many people cheering for The Rock as I thought there were going to be. Again, Texas. Texas through and through, and I got to say that I fucking loved the style of this match. Yes, there is something to be said for the ceremonious, in this corner, we have the challenger, in this corner, we have the champion. We didn't get any of that tonight. We got, while Rock's music's still playing, Austin meeting him when he came off the turnbuckle with Fists of Fire. That was incredible because they didn't stop from that moment these two went at each other like they were going to tear each other's heads off yeah and it was fucking great because it fit the story like absolutely both these guys wanted to be number one both these guys needed to win this match and both these guys took it to their opponent with such vigorous you know violence for lack of a better term um that you never stopped. It just felt like this whole match was like, oh my god, I can't believe that. Like he, it was just so intense. Um, I should mention that before you know, before we actually even get the glass shattering, Howard Finkel announces this match as a no disqualification match, much to the confusion of Jim <laughs> Ross and Paul Heyman. Yep. And nobody seems to know why it's a no DQ match or why it was all of a sudden just announced as that. Uh, we'll get to that. But out of the three matches that Austin and Rock had at WrestleMania, this was hands down easily my favorite. Uh, because like I said, they just beat the fuck out of each other for 25 minutes. Uh, inside the ring, outside the ring, at one point, Going back to those heel tendencies, Austin grabs a bell mm -hmm. and busts open the rock with it, not to be outdone. Rock slams Austin's face into an exposed turnbuckle. That causes Austin to be busted open, but then Rock busts him open even more by hitting him with the bell. Then we get a spot where Rock locks Austin in the sharpshooter. And it's kind of a callback to WrestleMania 13 because yes. you see the blood pouring out of Austin's face. Yep, 100%. I actually, I actually marked that down, that it was basically the exact same the same spot, the same camera shot, the same, the same face that Austin's making. I thought that was beautiful. But they doubled down because not only is Austin screaming in pain while blood is pouring out of his face, but Rock has blood pouring out of his face while he's doing it. <laughs> and then they did it with on the Rock. The Austin yeah, and then they the reversed it. And, and Austin put Rock on the sharpshooter much better, I might add. Austin actually applied it correctly, if you <laughs> notice. And uh, then Austin put Rock on the sharpshooter. And this had to be guaranteed the bloodiest match I have ever seen at a WrestleMania. Usually they shy away from that. But... This on this night, both guys bled ridiculously. Like this was like Dusty Rhodes, Ric Flair type of bad. <laughs> um, I will say that I liked Austin kind of working that heel style, and the the sharpshooter I thought you know was a nice touch, 
what I did also like is right from the beginning of the match, these guys were trying to go for their finisher. You notice that Austin was yeah. trying to go for the stunner. Rock was trying to go for the rock bottom. Uh, <laughs> and and as back and forth as everything went, all of a sudden we see Vince McMahon make his way down to the ring. Which back when I first watched this live, my instant thought was, oh, what the fuck is he doing back out here? <laughs> and then, um, shockingly enough, Vince decides to involve himself in the match at first subtly, but very clearly against The Rock, which was weird because why is Vince going against the rock not necessarily helping austin initially but definitely there to you know cost the rock the match essentially uh but then it became very clear that vince was not just going at the rock he was 100 percent helping austin as he handed austin a chair mm -hmm. and we get more unprotected headshots as Austin nails Rock across the fucking head with the chair. And then to make things even weirder, and this meant, this had to be weird even for the Texas crowd, Austin picks up Rock, holds him while Vince hits Rock with the chair. Mind you, even JR said, I thought Rock would have ducked. <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't. Um... And surprisingly, Rock kicks out. Rock kept kicking out, much to the chagrin of Austin, who was getting more yeah. and more pissed off. Yeah, I wrote. I wrote. Also, Austin definitely said a bad word after that kick out. Yeah, he definitely. <laughs> I think said it was. It I think definitely. it was that one with, with Vince, where he just goes, "Motherfucker!" Yes. Um, very audibly, I might add, and they might have actually turned it down on the network. I, so. I seem to remember uh, back when it was live that everybody heard him say that. Yeah. So you, you and Henry, like I said, recently did the the ninety nine Rumble. So I figured, in the spirit of things, I would count the number of unprotected chair shots that The Rock took to the skull. But unfortunately, it was only two, so it really wasn't that. Uh, he took two. He took two to the skull. Uh, <laughs> But it would get worse for The Rock <laughs> because not only did um, Rock get a rock bottom from Austin, which was more a urinagi if you were looking at this day and age. Uh, but when Austin just couldn't beat Rock no matter what, Austin decided to take a chair and hit Rock about, oh, I don't know, <laughs> 70 times. In the, Which back. Was, in the back, in the back, and the leg, and the, it just, just he just wore him out with that chair, yeah. threw the chair down, and finally pinned him to become the WWF champion. Mm -hmm. To make matters worse, after Austin wins the title, he walks up to Vince. Vince sticks his hand out, and Austin actually shakes his hands. Are they going to hug? That's what it felt like. <laughs> uh, mind you, for anybody who did not watch WrestleMania X7, 
most of the Texas crowd was cheering. Yeah. I would say there was a little, you know, perplexity when when he's shaking Vince's hand, but people were still like, "Yay, Austin won the title." Yep. Yeah. Like I said, Texas was not the place for a Steve Austin heel turn. To the point where they even tried to to change that when they poured beer over rock. <laughs> and yet still Texas like, cheered. Like Houston was going to go like Houston was going to be Hey, they're <laughs> wasting beer. <laughs> That's what I thought. A um, couple of things. A couple of things you you kind of skipped over. Um, there was a spot near the beginning when they went outside the ring and they were beating each other up outside the ring. That Hebner tries to break it up and Rock backs into Hebner and makes Hebner trip over the stairs. Oh, and yes, then so. goes in, and then goes and checks on him. I love that. I thought that was so sweet. Um, <laughs> yes, Earl Hebner takes a head takes a header over himself as he falls backwards over the stairs yeah and rock immediately goes down and was like okay <laughs> to check out um why are there rope breaks in an odq match uh, ah whoa, that, whoa, whoa, whoa. that happened there, twice wait a minute so the rock um lets go of the hold when austin makes it to the ropes but when rock makes it to the ropes austin flips him off and does not let go yeah. of the hold but still, why is Hebner calling for a rope break in an ODQ match? Uh, that's always been a point of contention throughout mm-hmm. wrestling because technically a lot of times the commentators will play it, but there's no rope break, which makes sense because it's no DQ. Like, right. what are you going to right. do? And I'm, usually what I'm they'll gonna, do I'm going to count to five, and if you don't break it... I'm going to count to five again. I'm going to count to five again. <laughs> but, uh, and then you I'm do... going to say, come on. I mean, the the only thing that does save it every once in a while, they don't do it often, is is that the person who's in the submission will then use the ropes to kind of like untangle himself. And that at least makes logical sense. But I guess, you know, for the most part, they just they need a way for the hole to break. And then, you know, mm-hmm. they're just like, eh, fuck it. Just um, have yeah. the ref like admonish him a bunch of times and eventually it'll go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we talked about uh, the exact same shot that basically turned Austin face four years earlier. Um, Austin <laughs> Austin takes both of Rock's legs and stomps him square in the dick. Yeah, and it wasn't it wasn't one of those I'll stomp you in the midsection. No, it was I'm gonna step on your dick. And Jr. calls a stomp right in the sternum. Do you know what the sternum is, Jr.? Because it's not the dick. Uh, it's not even close to the deck. I don't know if he maybe he meant to say stomach or solar plexus, but no, he comes out with sternum, which is up here. It's um, funny. I think I think you can hear him and go sternum. <laughs> and then something either you didn't mention or you did, and I missed it because I was trying to find a video of the referee noise on YouTube. But Austin uh, breaks out the million dollar dream. Yes. So desperate. Is Steve Austin to win the WWF championship that he breaks out the million dollar dream and going to one of Jason's points, something that Jason has talked about with the whole, uh, if you get pinned in a maneuver that you're putting on, it makes you look stupid. I feel like that specific move, the Cobra clutch, the million dollar dream, and that specific counter going into the, you know, going into the turnbuckles, pushing up and then going kind of up and over actually makes sense in that the person underneath might not be able to break that because based on at least what I 
can see what I know of the move. If the dude that you got that clutch on is going up and over and now has all his weight on your chest and shoulders and you've got your arms wrapped around his fucking neck, you might not be able to break that. You might not be able to get out of that before a three count. I was going to say, especially within a three-second time period, um, I think it works better with the million-dollar dream than it does with a sleeper. Yeah, I think that, because... like I said, I think that that, that move, the million-dollar dream, the Cobra Clutch, I think that might be the only move where that actually kind of makes sense. Yes. I don't think it makes sense with a sleeper, um, and we've seen it used with a sleeper a number of times. Uh, speaking of callbacks, it's interesting because that's actually how Austin lost to Brett. Right. At right. their match at Survivor Series before their WrestleMania 13 match, right? Um, and and Rock goes over and almost gets a three count, but Austin does actually kick out at the very last second. So, and it, yes, to your point, uh, what amazing storytelling that Austin is so desperate to the win, win the title, he's going to bust out a movie he hasn't used in four years, at least. Yeah. At least four, if not five. And JR's great hammered that home perfectly. Um, that was the thing about this match that was the best part was the intensity and the desperation from both guys. Yeah, I, I mean, you you say that Austin has said that you know he wouldn't if he could do it over again he wouldn't have turned heel um, at all. But I think uh, I, I I love the story here. You have two guys. You have you, you have a guy who is so desperate to win, so desperate to become the champion, to defeat The Rock, to get that victory over his long-standing rival, that he sided basically with the devil himself, uh, as far as Austin is concerned. He sided himself with Vince McMahon. And it's it's a desperation move, but it's also something that, that works out for Vince, because now Vince has uh, the WWF champion, uh, on his side, a guy who is basically at this point willing to do anything to get that title, to keep that title. And and I think that is a very good thing to have in a battle for your company against your asshole son. Of course, mm -hmm. over the next few months, we'll see that that won't exactly work out in Vince's favor, at least in terms of old Stone Cold uh, and lead to one of the worst karaoke uh, sections on raw ever but uh that's not for this podcast to discuss but um yeah I, I i absolutely love the story in this match so one thing too i i think it bears mentioning is that if you go back even if you're steve austin and, and you look at how the alliance story played out i think that might you know kind of influence how you felt about Mm -hmm. your heel turn at WrestleMania 17, because that was all <laughs> shit. Well, and when he says the crowd wasn't ready for Austin to turn heel, yeah, given how they played it, 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 it they weren't ready. But if you took, and, and you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. but if you took Austin and turned him into a 2008 version of Chris Jericho, where he comes down in like a suit, and he and he's condescending and he's telling everybody to be quiet. Like it might have actually worked as where people might actually boo him. If you took the things away from Steve Austin that made him popular, um, I feel like you could have made him a very successful heel. Now, now I'm picturing Steve Austin in in a in a business suit drinking white wine. 
uh, and, and and how sipping, great would that have been? Sipping, sipping, very delicately sipping white wine instead of slamming Steve Weiser's. Also, uh, this did, of course, lead to the two-man power trip, which is admittedly one of my favorite tag teams ever. But The two-man power trip that may have had its, quote-unquote, legs cut off before it really got rolling... Because, you know, unfortunately, Hunter would tear his quad. And then I don't think the group ever really got to where it was going to get to. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, absolutely. But but I, I loved I loved that angle. The two of them just fucking clean the house. Austin as the WWF champion, Hunter as the Intercontinental champion. And then they win the tag titles. So that one group has all the gold in the company. I just, yes. I, I love that team. And I, I, I get, as you say, it did get cut short thanks to... Uh, Hunter and the uh, lion tamer on the fucking announce table, but uh... no, he tore his quote when he planted his foot in the well, ring. Yeah, but... <laughs> uh, all in all, I thought it was a fantastic match. And to be honest, in 2001, when I watched this live, I didn't think you know. Obviously, I was a lot younger and not as smart to the business, but I didn't think that the Austin heel turn was done wrong. I thought everything worked out perfectly, and I was absolutely shocked that Austin had aligned himself with Vince, and I was kind of mad because I wanted The Rock to win, but I knew (laughs) that The Rock winning in Texas was probably not going to be a thing. That being said, uh, fantastic storytelling all the way around, and I I don't think you could have had this match end any other way. No. I, uh, I have said it a few times on on these old recap shows that we all do i i miss uh, i miss my innocence mm. from, from back in the day from just being able to watch this for what it was and not being a jaded fucking internet asshole about it but um and looking forward to the next night where austin would have to explain his actions mm-hmm I remember that was a huge thing after this night end. It was like, what's Austin going to say on Raw? How's he going to explain this one? Like, you know, what a fucking great night, though, all in all, between the Hardys and Edge and Christian and the Dudleys, between Angle and Benoit, you know, Triple H and The Undertaker, and, of course, this match, which, to me, this match is the reason that everybody puts this match, this WrestleMania on a pedestal. Sure. I mean, like, uh, like I said, like you mentioned, Austin Rock was one of those one of those rivalries that. I mean, it, and it may not even have been intentional when it started, but it was one of those rivalries that just went on for so long, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, neither man ever really getting the upper hand, and they would kind of go back and forth, but they faced each other infrequently enough that when it happened, it was it was gonna be a fucking show. Yeah, and it all it always had chemistry even when you go back to when Austin's tossing Rock's Intercontinental title into the <laughs> you know, into the river over there. Durham, New Hampshire. And and then when you just keep raising the stakes as Austin and Rock get more and more popular, I don't think either of them would would be at this apex at any at any time in their career after this. Mm-hmm. You know, this was the the tippy top for them. Did I ever tell you that my my uncle, uh, one of my uncles, the uh, kind of the crazy uncle in my family, always used to tell me uh, back in the day that he knew the guy who fished the Intercontinental title out of the river, and that that guy supposedly still had it. 
Did he really tell you that? Oh, yeah. Multiple times. And you think he was full of it, or oh. you think... Uh... Yeah, he was. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's funny because I remember when Rock, uh, when Austin did that, and Rock's the best thing is Rock's reaction because he was just like, "Oh, oh my title! <laughs> my title got thrown in the river!" <laughs> uh, so I would say, obviously, Austin Rock uh, best match of the night, right? Yeah. Would you agree definitely. with that? Yep. Now, did you have a worse match in the night? Um, I didn't write one down, but I would probably say China and Ivory. See, I went with the gimmick battle royal just because, yeah. like, they weren't even good gimmicks. <laughs> I mean, and and again, they, it lasted I, I three seconds. I wouldn't like, go with that because I think because that was the point of it. I know. If I had to pick like an actual bad match, um, maybe the maybe the six man tag. Maybe that, or maybe, you know, I was going to say testing, uh, testing Eddie Guerrero. Because the match was, was fine, but it just, you know, it, it, it the referee's job in that match was, was <laughs> pretty piss poor. Yeah, fuck you, Chad Patton. <laughs> so and, and i mean again it's hard to pick a bad match though it really is because that's why jericho it's, that's why regal it's got a 9.78 on fucking cage match jericho and regal was good uh again the six man knowing that it was cut short because taz got concussed kind of you know gives that one an asterisk um and then you get things like the street fight which for storytelling reasons i thought was a lot of fun uh, Taker, Triple H, Angle, Benoit, obviously Rock, Austin, then the TLC match. This match, this fucking WrestleMania was packed, packed with good matches. Yeah, I'm lucky when I do these these recaps that I usually get two or three matches, but I, <laughs> uh, there's a good five or six on this one that are really good and really enjoyable from bell to bell. So I, I definitely give this WrestleMania a thumbs up. Uh, you know, I, I, I kind of try to stay away from that best of all time talk because every time period has a reason why they do things the way they do it. You know, there's an argument to be made that WrestleMania one's the best of all time because nobody had any, ever seen anything like that before. I don't, I don't, I don't think there's an argument to be made there. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. You're, you're entitled to your opinion, even though your opinion is wrong. How's that for gimmick infringement? Um, <laughs> But I I definitely enjoy this one, and uh, you know you may not be looking forward to it, but I am looking forward to WrestleMania X8. Now that that brings us to our next episode. Next time we will be going north of the border Good to segue. Toronto, Ontario, Canada. In the Sky Dome. WrestleMania returns to the Sky Dome for the first time since WrestleMania 6. And Sky Dome, WrestleMania X8. Did anything, Adam, did anything memorable happen at that WrestleMania? I honestly, I can't recall. I nope. got nothing that immediately nothing? springs to mind. Mm. Well, we'll have to take a look at it and... 
I'm sure if something happened, if some generational icon fought another generational icon, I'll figure it out. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait to go and recap WrestleMania X8, specifically the pay-per-view, not the horrible GameCube video game. <laughs> Uh, oh, I had that game. It was fucking awful. It was. Was hey, that the game where let's the put in mode... a, Let's put in a story mode where you're not actually going to compete on shows. I was going to say, was that the that was the uh, the video game where the story mode was you had to like beat up backstage people because you were trying to sabotage WrestleMania? Sabotage. Ninety eight percent sure that was because I don't think that was day, I don't think that was Day of Reckoning. I'm pretty sure that no. was WrestleMania X Eight. Yeah, that that's how bad. The, the only thing good about WrestleMania X8 was that the GameCube had four controller ports, so you could play <laughs> like you know battle royals or tag matches with don't, your friends. But... Don't even get me started on Royal Rumble for the DreamCube. DreamCube, Dreamcast. Sorry, is that a new system? It is. <laughs> it is. Okay. Royal Rumble for the Dreamcast. Holy shit! Anyways. Adam, I will allow you to plug your show. What's coming up on Nitromania? Uh, we are on the road to Fall Brawl 97, 96, rather. Uh, Fall Brawl 95, of course, was the first pay-per-view that we covered on Nitromania, just uh, 52 small episodes ago. Um, so that uh, the, the episode that I recorded just before we did this is the, is the not the go-home show, but the one before the go-home show. So the next episode is the go-home show for Fall Brawl. Uh, it is quite a monumental episode, if I can tease that. But that is Nitromania. Uh, on Tuesdays on the Rundown Wrestling Podcast feed, uh, which you obviously already subscribe to if you are listening to this, uh, if you uh, are a patron at patreon.com slash rundownwrestling, I am soon to be debuting a new patron-exclusive series uh, over there. Uh, that uh, will be just for the folks who donate monthly to our Patreon campaign. Um, the first... Troy, he's not lying. He's being serious. The, the first episode is recorded. Uh, I just have to get the sound clips and put everything together. I have to do the producing on that episode and the producing on Nitromania and post those hopefully in the next couple of days here. But uh, yeah, so Nitromania on the Rundown Wrestling Podcast feed and... The new show um, on on our Patreon. It's, Follow us. It's late. I'm tired. That was awful, but I don't care at this point. That's all right. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter, at WrestleMania Cell. Manila. Follow Adam, at Nitromania Pod. If you're a fan of horror, you can check out the Slasher Sanitarium. Give them a follow, at Slasher Podcast. And, of course... Follow the rundown at Rundown Podcast. And make sure to check out all of our shows on the Rundown feed, including NXT Revisited, Glow Stick, The Rundown Sit Down. Maybe coming back soon. And be sure to listen to the flagship show, The Rundown Wrestling Podcast. Now with a new host. His name is Jeff. Get to know him. He's funny. Yeah. Good kid. He is uh, helping me out with Nitromania. So he, I will end this episode. Do, I will end this episode by saying, "I'm the Boogeyman, and I'm coming to get ya." Yes, no. I'm trying to end with a good catchphrase. That's I'll a, find one eventually. That's a fucking non sequitur. Okay, we'll work on it. But for now, later.
Yeah, 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 yeah.